Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. How is everyone doing today? I hope everyone is doing well. I hope the weather is fine. I hope the water is warm. And I hope you guys are ready for another edition of The Sea Report. Good to be with you guys today on this, uh, what are we today? Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Uh, May. I can't believe I'm saying May already, y'all. It's already May. Jeez Louise. I feel like I'm getting really behind on my life. But, you know, um, I, I guess, uh, I, I guess I'll just have to, uh, uh, you know, buckle down a little bit more, guys. <laughs> so, man oh man. All right, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. As I was saying, it is Wednesday, May the 11th, 2022. Man, I can't believe I'm saying through 2022. Just kidding. I won't, I won't go off into those tangents, guys, but uh, good to be here nonetheless. Welcome to another episode of The Sea Report, another edition, a brand new edition. And uh, I am your host, Mr. C, coming to you live here in, uh, in the good old C Studios, ladies and gentlemen, and hope everyone is doing well. All right. Well, we're ready to go, guys. We've had quite an interesting week, I would say. With everything that has been going on all around us in, uh, in, in regards to the headlines and in regards to just uh, movement of things, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, come on, we had, uh, we had this election audit, you know, uh, over the week. Yeah, well, it was over oh, the week. It was, it was Monday. Yeah, Monday, guys. Monday, Monday, Monday. Uh, and actually, we are going to be breaking that down tonight um, for those of you all who did not have the chance to either see the audit hearing or uh, are just barely getting to hear. Actually, I'm finding out that a lot of people still don't even know about it. I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty interesting. So uh, we're going to give it a breakdown tonight. Uh, we kind of gave it a little bit of a, um, a general kind of review on our last episode. And of course, we um, um, actually uh, live streamed the event. I would call it an event, ladies and gentlemen. So we'll have a breakdown. We'll have uh, nine points, no, eight points, eight points worth taking to the bank, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, including a couple of, uh, of new points. That's right, new points. Uh, in regards to uh, in regards to um, uh, what was discovered in that audit, you know, uh, you know, when you're sitting down watching a hearing and you're hanging out with your friends, you know, sometimes, sometimes uh, one might miss things. But no, it's always in going back into, uh, you know, the actual uh, presentation. Uh, we can kind of uh, really, really suss through all of the details. And also, along with that, guys, um, I have um, I have also clipped out the uh, the hearing. So you know, uh, if you guys want to see any of the details in little micro snippets of uh, of focus, uh, those are available over at the Mister C TV Rumble channel. Uh, for any and all who would like to uh, take a gander, you know, it's easier to digest than sitting through the whole three hours. Even though, remarkably, the last hour was questions and, you know, uh, and uh, kumbaya time there in Otero County, New Mexico. So, anyways, I just wanted to do that also because, you know, um, got the uh, podcast for the Sea Report up and running again. 
Uh, but, uh, you know, the podcast listeners, they have not been able to hear the Otero County um, election audit hearing. So uh, and I don't think I'm going to actually upload it onto the podcast. So this will be a nice breakdown for the podcast viewers and also for everyone else who has not been able uh, to check it out, you know. Uh, and uh, and indeed, you know, it is uh, it is. Um, it is a, a very interesting and important symptom of uh, where we are moving forward. I would say maybe not as a species, maybe not as a race, uh, but most definitely as a specific segment of our nation, ladies and gentlemen, 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 pardon me. Uh, you know, they say it takes like what, two to three percent of the population to uh, actually uh, form a movement, or if you want to go there, uh, start a revolution, right? Uh, how many Americans do you think are awake at this point that are holding these people accountable, right? And that's a good question, you know. Uh, but then the question I think also would come to mind is, um, is, is, is striving after election audits and the evidence and the fraud found therein, is it worth it? Well, I mean, to be quite honest, I would probably slap anyone silly that really entertains that question. Is it worth it? Well, you know, is it low-hanging fruit or is it out of reach? Is it uh, grasping at air or is it eating cotton balls for dinner? You know, kind of that thing there, you know. Is, is the um, energy and the time spent and invested into auditing our elections and specifically that which took place in 2020? You know, when the big old obvious theft and coup happened in this country, is that worth it? Um, or should we go for something else? You know, and, and if there was something else, I would have to ask, what would that be? Like, what, maybe, maybe those of you in the audience who are joining us live right now, if you had to choose one other avenue or one other angle to go at this at, where you can, uh, you can clench um, um, the restoration of this republic, that has a better shot than decertification, what, what do you guys think it would be? What do y'all think it would be? Uh, running, maybe, maybe running America First candidates like diehard purists uh, and somehow the rest of the nation, whether that is two-thirds of the nation or half of the nation or, I don't know, uh, three-quarters of the nation, I'm not sure on the percentage anymore. Uh, uh, that they will somehow miraculous, miraculously wake up to the smell of a pure America first candidate, right? And that they won't care about political parties and they won't care about their pride and their ego and their favorite team, but still have broken elections, right? Right? Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, I would say, uh, what what we could do in order to get a diehard grasp, like a clamp down on um, uh, securing our nation's uh, livelihood and, and longevity, it would probably be taking out the legacy media, right? I mean, that would obviously be it because then everyone would be broken from their spell, but 
that in itself is also kind of a challenge. Uh, we see them kind of like eating themselves. I mean, they are quite, uh, they are quite frequently putting their foots in their mouth, their feet, their foots. They're putting their foots in their mouth. They're. I don't know what's happening with my grammar these days, ladies and gentlemen. But they are quite frequently putting their feet in their mouth. Uh, they are quite frequently eating their skid-marked underoos, you know, uh, and, and they are basically destroying themselves right now, whether they believe they are or not. And uh, uh, to be frank, the reason why they are is because they still seem to believe that they are impervious to the um, awareness that uh, the American people... And, and even some of the people around the world, too, um, have, uh, have grown towards uh, their ends and what they do in their lies, you know? Uh, so as every event um, ha occurs and we move forward, right? As every event occurs and we move forward and they can't keep up with us because they are no longer in control of the narrative. They are no longer the main influencer here. I mean, let's just face it, they're not. They're not an influencer by any means, right? They're not an influencer by any means. Uh, there's a very small segment of, uh, I think, the population in this country that they can radically mobilize through whatever influential lies they, uh, they give. And I find it quite interesting that uh, that small segment are the ones that uh, generally decry authority and government and all that other stuff. So, you know, we can most definitely laugh about it, guys. I mean, it, it is quite funny. We are living in, uh, we are living in um, the slickest of parodies, ladies and gentlemen, the slickest of parodies. Uh, the type of material that life is providing for fiction right now is quite rich you know if we can uh, get past um get past uh, all of the uh, tragedy that we perceive with what's happening in our country uh but you know it's getting so bad out there you know and some people will say it's only going to get worse it, and that it's supposed to get worse before it gets better, right? I mean, you know, I don't generally subscribe to the supposed to's. I mean, I, I get it. It's usually darkest before the dawn, etc. Um, but uh, it's not always that way, right? It's not always that way. It's gotten pretty bad. Do you think we're going to go through a life-altering near-death experience before the world wakes up? Before America totally wakes up? Or do you think that through all of these uh, tiny indentations into the credibility and into the um, uh, uh, thus far sustained uh, deception of our government and the media, etc., do you think that uh, all of the, uh, the small marks that they've been taking will eventually wheedle them away uh, so that this way the dam does not so much burst as it does just kind of rot apart. And uh, you know what? Uh, it's been leaking for so long that uh, all the pressure that was built behind it is just not going to, uh, you know, uh, um, sweep us away and, and flood us and drown us. I don't know. Is that too optimistic? What do you think, guys? Uh, I personally think, and I'm sure you guys probably already know this, is that indeed, indeed, getting to the bottom of um, um, what happened in the 2020 elections while this opportunity stands before us, right? Because we've always known 
that they have stolen elections. We've always known that. That's not even a question, right? That's uh, that's rather obvious. That's 101. Stealing elections is 101, right? Uh, for, you know, black hats, you know, immoral, amoral servants of themselves, right? Tyrants or communists, whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, 2020 um, gave us a doorway into a case that's quite easy to crack. In fact, we've already cracked it open, guys. We've cracked it open, but again, because of the megaphone, MK Ultra, you know, hold your eyeballs open, brainwashing of the legacy media and the, you know, the uh, entertainment industrial complex establishment uh, and all of its uh, uh, brainwashing machinations against, uh, you know, simple-minded people and individuals that either do not want to or just cannot or don't care to think, uh, you know, beyond uh, what they are told and what they experience at a, uh, you know, uh, a, a face front value. Uh, if it weren't for them, uh, this this uh, this show would have ended a long time ago, ladies and gentlemen. You know, this show would have ended a long time ago. But would we have figured out all of the ploys and all of the instruments and all of the different ways that these individuals use to cheat, steal, lie, defraud, and otherwise um, uh, uh, completely decimate a nation, right? Now, we know that the globalists and their deep state henchmen or their shadow government henchmen, we know that, uh, you know, uh, they are always coming up with ways to, uh, you know, destroy a nation's sovereignty, to catch the sovereignty of a nation, to put it under its wing and own it, right? You know, I mean, we just talked about the entire uh, World Health Organization provisions that our very own government offered to them through the amendments to the international health regulations. We just covered that yesterday. Again, we see this all the time, whether by contract or by treaty or by agreement or by, you know, whatever, right? Uh, we, we won't make the, uh, we won't make the uh, spoken agreement mistake like, uh, like Gorbachev did back in the 90s. Um, and just be like, okay, okay, sure, Bush. Yep, you, you ain't gonna expand NATO uh, eastward. Okay, I gotcha. Anyways, uh, but but they're always trying to do it, guys. They are always trying to do it. We stand at the precipice of um, a, a great awakening, right? Well, it was very dramatic, right? It was almost poetic. But we do, we stand at the precipice of a great awakening of understanding, right? That we ain't gonna put up with that crap anymore. And once we figure it out, guys, and we have, and we are, uh, they will not be able to attempt the same type of takeover or the same type of feat that they have successfully done so for probably decades if not centuries, I mean, I don't have any election data going back to 1785 or, you know, 1801, right? So I couldn't tell you how they stole. Do you think that they, they stuffed uh, ballot boxes back in the 1800s? I don't know, you know, 
Uh, I'm sure they, I'm sure back then they really did disenfranchise voters and they really did suppress the vote, right? And it's like all of these uh, Black Lives Matters, progressive dribble people, like uh, they think they're living in the 1800s, right? The only ones who are living in the 1800s, if not at least the 1960s, are the very legislators that they favor who believe that they cannot find a DMV or they cannot figure out how to sign an envelope with their own hand in cursive. Which we could blame on, you know, the current government education system. But uh, nevertheless, guys, the joke... They will never get it, right? They will never get that they've been the butt of the jokes the whole time that while these people are saying it's voter suppression, they are actually insulting the hell out of them. And uh, is it safe to call them useful idiots, right? Idiot sounds kind of mean, right? The useful ignorance. Yeah, the useful ignorance. The weaponized ignorance even. I mean, if you think about them, Going out there to, uh, you know, the Supreme Court justices' uh, domicile of life and, uh, and protesting and putting on displays and stuff like that. That is weaponized ignorance, ladies and gentlemen. Weaponized ignorance. Because the minute you tell them Roe v. Wade had nothing to do with banning abortion, it just had to do with allowing the states to make the decision. If they have half a mind... They'll be like, I got to go think about this, right? I got to go think about this, right? It's already working on some of them, guys. It's working on some of them. You go tell, you tell them that about Roe v. Wade and they're like, wait, it doesn't ban abortions and make it illegal everywhere? No. Haven't you ever heard of something called reading? Not enough people read these days, they say, but I don't know because I'm reading all the time. So, uh. I don't know, guys. Uh, admittedly, I'm mostly reading the screens, right? Which I hear isn't so helpful, you know, to the development and the sustaining of one's brain and mind. But that's uh, that's neither here nor there. That's neither here nor there. Uh, fact of the matter is, yes, the, uh, the weaponized ignorance of these individuals. Uh, I don't know, guys. I mean, we've been going through this for the last uh, 10 minutes or so. I'm still kind of thinking the election integrity thing is probably the most important thing. Like I said, this is an opportunity, guys. We've been given an opportunity to discover the ins and outs of their shenanigans. And we have, right? We have. And, uh, well, you know, that's why, uh, that's why I enjoy featuring it. Now, you know, if someone who has not even heard of the New Mexico um, election audit that just transpired since January until now, and we had the results hearing um, on Monday, and it's not even done completely yet. They still have some data that they have not finished accumulating and studying and parsing through and assessing and stuff like that. Uh, But for what they did present, right, if someone who has never heard of this audit, because let's not forget, Mexico really was, New Mexico, Mexico, New Mexico really was not in play, right? We weren't like, New Mexico's a state to watch. No one said that ever, right? It, it's been a Democrat state forever. Otero County just happens to be uh, one of those counties where Trump won and they still pushed an audit, right? But uh, New Mexico was, um, 
New Mexico was nowhere near the top five contentious, right? After the top five, we had Nevada. That was six. After that, we had Minnesota. Minnesota is not even in play, right? We've had so many other states in place since then. I was quite well surprised that New Mexico was going through with an audit. I was like, oh, well, this is new. Hey, it's welcome, right? It's welcome. But, you know, someone never hears about the New Mexico audit, and then you go and give them some brief details about the findings, and they might just say, ah, oh, they found that out in Antrim, Michigan, if they know about Antrim, Michigan, but they'll definitely be like, oh, well, that's what we learned in Arizona. What's new? Well, let me tell you what's new. It's a brand new state. It's an entire other representation. It's in another region of the country. It is an independent functioning, you know, uh, governmental state of its own that somehow, somehow happens to have similar, if it not exactly the same patterns of fraud and election uh, discrepancies as we are finding in other states. And the story continues to unfold. So... I hope you guys will be um, sticking around for our brief breakdown of the Otero County, New Mexico election audit. Uh, we got a few videos that I have clipped out to just a few minutes each. It is by far a lot uh, shorter than the three hour presentation that we watched on Monday. That's for sure. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. You know, if you're if you're paying attention to the alternative press, a couple of them got some stories out there, uh, but we got a total breakdown. And uh, I think you guys will want to uh, write home about it. You guys most definitely will. It's very exciting, guys. And let's not forget the next one up to bat is Kansas, the state of Kansas authorized um, in an audit of their 2020 election, which will be happening between now and the next seven months. Uh, the actual start date is not 100% set yet, but uh, it will be, uh, it should be over before spring of 2022, okay? Uh, I mean, 2023, I apologize, which, you know, people are going to start to say, a spring of 2023, but 2022 will already have happened. Well, you know what? They tried to play that game with them there in the Kansas State House. They're like, uh, we got an election coming up. It's midterms. Can we just hold off on the audit of 2020 and fortunately they did not fall for it again because that's the only reason why it's taken them this long to get the audit going in kansas to begin with you know uh, uh another golden opportunity we have ladies and gentlemen is to really i spy and identify the rhinos in the house now, it's like, oh, well, you know, we should just, uh, um, uh, Democrats, right? We got to get them out, right? Uh, rhinos, we need to get them rhinos out. Now, would one assume just because we're saying we need to get the rhinos out that that means that we have the full faith and force of our belief and life in the Republican Party? You know, some people will look at a Trump supporter or some people will look at a conservative. Some people will look at a um, republic restorationist, right? And they'll be like, oh, they're Republican, you know? And, and maybe that person is also conservative. And they're like, I'm non-party. And it's like, well, you know, um, I don't think that uh, necessarily getting rid of the rhinos equates with restoring the Republican Party. 
you know, but uh, we need to get rid of those whom claim to be something that they are not. And I've been saying this for weeks already, if not months, you know, I mean, probably about 90% or 95% of all the Republicans, both at the Capitol Hill and also within our own state houses, need to go. And that's not something that you hear quite often from someone who's a registered Republican, right? And I am a registered Republican. Uh, fancy that, huh? Hmm, fancy that. Yeah, my demographic is small, ladies and gentlemen. You don't see too many Republicans like me. We're out there, though, and we're growing. I'm just happy to say I never left the Democrat movement, right? Um, I mean, I, I will pro I will proudly say Lexit, right? The Latino exit from the Democrat Party, but I was never part of the Democrat Party, right? Just just quickly, that's because I come from an apolitical family, and I um, I awakened prior to uh, deciding what um, party values uh, most closely, you know, came to mind. So anyhow, guys, anyhow, anyhow, I, I don't even necessarily need to be a Republican. I just go wherever, you know, my favorite candidate is, you know, Ron Paul, he went on the Republican ticket. I was like, okay, Ron Paul, I know that you're uh, more of a libertarian, but let's do this, right? And then before I could change my, uh, you know, before I could change my party, well, here came President Trump. And I, actually also there was Rand Paul as well. You know, when I think about the difference between Ron Paul and um, President Trump, I think if Ron Paul had done what he always said he would do and wanted to do, it might have hurt our country, right? Oh, you talking bad about Ron Paul? No, I'm not talking bad about Ron Paul. It's just Trump weaned us off of regulations and he weaned us off of some aspects of bigger government, whereas maybe Ron Paul wouldn't have done it, but he always said, I'll just cut, you know, this and that and this and that, which is great, right? But, you know... There's that shell shock for the culture, the country, and the economy. I just think that uh, I think that uh, uh, President Trump and Ron Paul had very similar ideas: deregulation, etc., getting rid of shrinking government. It's just like I said, President Trump seemed to wean us off of that, and I guess just lopping off the head might have caused some kind of a crash. <laughs> Some kind of a crash. But anyways, I voted for him anyways. So uh, both of them. So anyhow, guys. Okay, so elections, guys. Elections, elections. And, uh, you know, these audits and integrity, restoring our republic, they all go hand in hand. And let's not forget that goes hand in hand with our liberty and our sovereignty and our rights, which have been endowed to us at our birth. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what our vote stands for. That's why everyone in the world is jealous of we Americans, because we have that sacred vote that so as long as it is not tainted, so as long as it is not defiled, it represents that which is our freedom. And it is in danger, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm sure I don't need to tell you guys that, but... Even though the road has been long and the journey has been far, we're getting there, okay? We just cannot give up. We cannot relent. We cannot back down. We cannot stop. We cannot quit. We have to keep on going, guys. We have to keep on going. Yeah.
I mean, even uh, even President Trump has made a statement today that's uh, something similar to that respect. But you know what, guys? The legacy media and everything that handles it that wants to get you influenced and distracted, right? Like all of these distractions prevented us from seeing that Joe Biden was uh, handing over the sovereignty of all nations to the World Health Organization, right? We just found out about it. Now we know about it, right? Now we know about it. Now we can uh, start to make a little bit of a fuss about it, right? We can, uh, I mean, like I said, I don't know exactly how directly my representative, whom I did not vote for, will be effective in spread in letting them know, hey, 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 World Health Assembly, you know, American uh, globalist person, uh, vote no uh, on these amendments that uh, the Biden administration gave to the World Health Organization. Probably not. I've got a, uh, I've got a Castro, right? Castro, guys, represents me. Uh-uh. Cannot even, uh, right? It's terrible. I mean, I know all of you guys just kind of threw up in your mouth when I said that, right? Anyways, so yeah, you feel me, right? You feel me. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we should not be spreading the information, guys, and letting everybody know, particularly our elected officials and representatives. They should know where we stand, even if they cannot, you know, really move the ball for us, Right? You know, uh, let your city councilman know, hey, you know, these elections were stolen and we're doing something about it. And, and, you know, maybe shoot them over some emails with a bunch of information. Fax them over. That way they have something physical in hand and they cannot uh, ignore it. You know, I mean, they could always throw it away, I'm sure, but someone's going to see it first, you know. Maybe, maybe someone who needs to see it in the trash will pick it out and learn something, right? You never know. You never know what seeds you will be planting. And they'll be like, what can I do about it? I'm just a city councilman. Well, maybe you should get on my level, city councilman. And maybe you should apply that towards the job that you are currently mishandling, city councilman. It trickles up and down and left and right and all around. And it's just that seed of thought and intention, guys. It's that seed of thought and intention. It germinates, right? Because it's a good idea. But they're kind of like blind to it. They, they currently have uh, COVID-19 shots against truth and common sense. And maybe the more people talk about it, maybe the more people give them that general message, it will uh, seep in and maybe some sort of natural immunity will uh, destroy the spike proteins of deception that has been growing inside of their body since they decided to betray us. And I'm talking about elected officials here, guy, at every level. Elected officials at every level. Anyhow, guys, I'm getting way too uh, creative for my own good right now. Uh, I was trying to talk about distractions, guys. Distractions, okay? Distractions, okay? You know, uh, Carrie Lake just came out. Uh, she was on some legacy media talk show, right? And uh, they asked her about Roe versus Wade, and uh, the first thing she said was, uh, well, I think it was a distraction from 2000 Mules. You know, that ballot trafficking documentary that just irrefutably exposed the fraud that took place in the 2020 election and thereby is the smoking gun that all of our supposed conservative and Republican representatives have denied, have decried or have just been absolutely silent on. 
And uh, that was my thought as well, guys. Perfect timing, right? To send the left into a tizzy, to clog up all of the uh, headlines and the news lines and the head... Because, I mean, uh, after all, everyone sees through Russia, Ukraine. So that dis distraction's done, right? No matter what they say, right? They keep saying Russia, 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 this, and yet... Uh, we don't see them going to the aid of the, the, the millions and millions of genocided Ukraine, genocided raped and killed Ukrainians, right? Ukrainians, we don't see them doing that, right? If it's really what you say it is, media, well, why aren't you, uh, why aren't you really putting your boots on the ground? Not that we want them to, right? Not that we want them to, but they're not. And then also, media... If, uh, you know, Ukraine really is doing their good old Nazi blitzkrieg on the Russian forces, why don't we have any footage of that, media? Why don't we have any footage of that? Okay, so, you know, the whole Russia-Ukraine thing has always been this here at the Sea Report. We're going to listen to both sides of the story, and we're going to look at what's going on, and whosever side is more accurate to what they're saying and what we see, they're probably telling the truth, but... Honestly, the truth here is we always knew that the West was lying. Sorry, I'm not trying to be creepy like Joe. <laughs> I don't think anyone can quite do that creepy whisper like Joe Biden can. Illegitimate Joe. Let me tell you what. If I had a grandfather like him, I'd probably have multiple split personalities, uh, you know, um, compartmentalized within my brain. <laughs> Meaning he probably would have had me on his lap all the time. I'm glad he wasn't my grandpa. I don't know why. Who would want that? Anyways, that was just a terrible angle to go at. Truthful as it was. Truthful as it was. Uh, th that was the perfect distraction. Joe's little uh, riding on a lap thing there. Let's talk about a distraction before we get into tonight's show. Because there's a brand new one that's coming up. Russia didn't work. Ukraine didn't work. Johnny Depp didn't work. Uh, you know, um, um, the, the Roe v. Wade thing, it's already pittering out, guys. It's already pittering out, right? Uh, and that's because people are like, oh, well, uh, huh, huh, we're actually reading the text of Roe v. Wade. It had nothing to do with banning abortions forever. It's reasonable to return it to the states, right? Getting Democrats, progressives, really left-leaning liberals, people who really still... Uh, believe that uh, the woman's right to decide is uh, 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 the same thing as her uh, saving a baby, sorry, uh, maintaining a life is the same thing as a woman's right to decide is the same thing as defining herself as a woman when they cannot even define themselves as women. And they don't even know if they're women anymore because Ketanji Brown Jackson said she doesn't know how to define a woman and they have to follow their leader and, you know, and, and, you know, I'm pretty sure that they see that they have looped themselves into this really strange uh, kind of quasi-hypocritical, kind of quasi-senile, quasi-confused, quasi-am I, do, do, do I even exist? Are we in a video game? Am I, am I a meme? <laughs> uh, am I an app? Wait, we're not quite there yet, okay? We're not quite there yet, lefties. You're still real, okay? I'm pretty sure a lot of them are seeing, or feeling at least, that like something feels weird. I don't remember ever feeling like this. I feel like a joke. I feel like the butt of the jokes whenever I walk into the streets and drive around town because I have a I'm with her sticker on my bumper or something like that, right? Yeah, they are becoming the joke. Uh, well, well, 
they've always been the joke. They've always been the joke for us at least, right? But um, anyhow, Roe v. Wade's pittering out, right? Um, I guess they had enough money to pay the Antifers and the BLMers, etc. Um, so, uh, oh, the, the new distraction, the new distraction, guys. Don't let me get distracted here. Don't let me get distracted. Okay, for the second time here at the Sea Report, we're going to talk about UFOs. <laughs> Do you guys think that this is a genuine distraction? I think it's a genuine distraction, guys, right? I think it's a genuine distraction. Yeah, UFOs. They always bust out the UFOs when things get too fishy for them, okay? They get too fishy for them. And you know what? I will gladly cover this story only because we rarely talk about this topic and it was just it was just May fourth, right? May the fourth be with you, right? So uh, so anyhow, guys, yeah, yeah. It seems like we're gonna get another UFO kind of thing going on with our government, right? Are they preparing us for something, or do they just not want us to think about the election fraud that's just busting at the seams all around the country? Uh, because it is busting at the seams, guys. Believe it or not, you know. Um, it, it's starting to break through. It's starting to break through, okay? Local media is reporting on the findings of the New Mexico uh, hearing, right? Actually reporting on it. Now, they might not be reporting on it in detail, but they are at least listing one or two factoids without a fact check behind it. So that's good. That's good. It appears someone out there in the local legacy still has a little bit of integrity, or at least they have a good sense of self-preservation, right? So, uh, okay, so yes, forget about election fraud. Let's talk about the UFOs instead, Mr. C. Let's not even talk about New Mexico. <laughs> Let's talk about Roswell. <laughs> oh man, here we go, guys. Here's the article, Congress will hold first open UFO hearing in 50 years. Congress. Kong, they killed Congress, right? You guys remember where that's from, don't you? Uh, so interesting, guys. Uh, it's a fun way to start today's show. The hearing is set to take place Tuesday with two Pentagon officials testifying. No period. A uh, House subcommittee will hold an open hearing next week on UFOs, the first of its sort in more than half a century. What do you think is happening next Tuesday? Oh, wait, isn't it what? The Pennsylvania elections happening next Tuesday? That's an important one, guys. What do you think is going to happen? Something's going to happen on Tuesday, guys. Maybe the UFOs are going to come down and they're going to kill Congress, right? I don't want them to kill Congress. I'm just, uh, I'm just uh, reminiscing about the good old Mars Attacks days, guys. That's, that's what that's all about. I should have used a Mars Attacks-like image for this story. What was I thinking? When they kill Congress, you know? <laughs> uh, but, you know, hey, you know, we have we have elections coming up on... I mean, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania is... It's, the Commonwealth is a pretty important... It is a pretty important, uh, um, you know, uh, election contest, guys. We got uh, the senator who stands uh, to uh, face his challenger identified, you know? We have this whole Oz, Pompeo, uh, you know, uh, and uh, and let me allow me to be fair. 
uh, Oz, Pompeo, and um, um, uh, what's her name again? Uh, uh, Barnett, you know, uh, triage thing, love triangle going on, guys. It's, it's, I would say it's pretty important what is happening on Tuesday. Uh, could they be holding this UFO conference because of Tuesday's elections? And I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to check out my calendar and see what else is going on around that time, right? Who knows? Who knows? Anyways, uh, the article says uh, the announcement was made yesterday by subcommittee chairman Indiana Democrat Andre Caron. Congress has not held a public hearing on unidentified aerial phenomenon in over 50 years. He tweeted. That will change next week when I lead a hearing in a House Intel uh, committee on this topic and the national security risk it poses. Oh, everyone is going to be tuning in for this, guys. Because if an imaginary figment of our own mental creations poses a national security risk, then it must mean that they exist, right? Unless it just means that uh, the more people believe in UFOs, the more people are actually crazy in this country. Now, I am obviously not uh, espousing or judging one's belief. I mean, we don't talk about UFOs here at the Sea Report, but you know, if it's in the headlines, we will share the story. Americans need to know more about these unexplained occurrences. Oh, I forgot. It's just been uh, runaway Nazi um, 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 aircraft since like the 1930s. The subcommittee is part of a larger House Intelligence Committee, which is led by California Democrat. Oh, God. Adam Schiff? Adam Shifty Schiff, right? He's like, I kidnap kids on those UFOs. We can't let anyone know about them. Well, I believe it was actually uh, Henry Reed was the one, Harry Reed, sorry, was the one that was really putting the kibosh on any type of these conversations up on the hill. But anyhow, um, let's see here. Uh, apparently, Adam Schiff told the New York Times that the committee will hold hearings to investigate the Pentagon's Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program to break the cycle of excessive secrecy and speculation with truth and transparency. To think that um, those words were even within the vocabulary of one watermelon head, Adam Schiff. A pair of Pentagon officials are scheduled to testify at the hearing. Since a 2017 report in the Times about the existence of the UFO project at the Pentagon, the government has disclosed a number of reports about UFOs. In 2021, the Pentagon released a report about its UFO program that described 143 sightings of flying objects from 20, 2004 to 2021, some of which could not be explained. An unredacted version of the report was published earlier this year by the government transparency agency, The Black Vault. That is the only other story that we have reported here at the Sea Report. And if memory serves, there were chapters in that report that talked about fairies, elves, Sasquatch, Yeti. Yeah, guys. Yeah. And the best is yet to come, right? The best is yet to come. So I guess we'll see about that, y'all. We will see about that next Tuesday. What will you be paying attention to? The UFO hearing or whatever else is happening that's really important? I would say the Pennsylvania elections 
And I'm sure there are other elections happening on that day, but some maybe there's something else, guys. Maybe there's something else. Okay, y'all, we've spent enough time diddly-daddling around at the head of this show. Hey, Aurelius Locke, Tam Growl, good to see you. Uh, my best folks there over in the chat room, thanks for joining us. Hey, Relanon, there's my other best folk. Hey, what's up, buddy? Thanks for the 117 gold pills and Disco Ball Chaser, my gal pal. All right, thank you for dropping that link in the chat room. As always, much appreciated. Uh, and uh, to everyone watching us, whether you're on Twitch or whether you're on Rumble, Clout Hub, etc., thanks for joining us this evening for tonight's edition of the Sea Report. Uh, we are going to start with a couple of statements from President Trump because President Trump, generally speaking, leads here at the Sea Report unless, you know, something distracts me. You know, he might just make it in a close second, right? Let's see what President Trump has to say. Uh, first statement for today, Estadia. Not quesadilla, estadilla. Uh, it goes this way. 2,000 mules is now available for digital download. See, it seems like um, election fraud um, 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 approving is also on the top of his mind, right? Every American must see this movie. It's the most important political documentary ever made because it reveals with irrefutable proof what really happened in the 2020 election. The film is now on two great platforms where the radical left cannot censor it or take it down. Watch it at SalemNow.com or 2000Mules.Locals.com. And of course, Locals is, uh, is in relation to Rumble.com, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Rumble.com, I would uh, highly recommend you go follow us over at Rumble.com. Uh, the easiest way to find the show, because, you know, they give you this weird, like, uh, um, you know, URL address, right, is just to type into the search bar, the C report, Mr. C. Those four words, or those uh, two words and two letters, right? <laughs> Wait, that's three words and two letters. And uh, my stuff will pop up. Uh, if you just put in the C report, you're going to get a whole lot of X22 guys. That's all that you're going to find for nine or 10 pages. Okay. So the C report, Mr. C, and you will find my stuff in the search. But you know, if you uh, give us a thumbs up or a like, it, that'll push it to the surface a lot quicker, guys. And it's getting there, right? It's getting there. You type in Otero County Election Audit and whoop, you'll find uh, Mr. CTV, right? That's what we do. That's who we are. That's how we live. So, yeah. So, again, and it's a good thing that President Trump is pushing this movie still. I, he, he doesn't need to necessarily push it. I mean, just like Dr. Oz, uh, this film, this documentary is uh, getting quite popular on its own merit, right? Didn't need to endorse him. Doesn't need to endorse this. Uh, I think there's enough interest in uh, what um, this film has to offer. I think it's most definitely uh, getting uh, fence-sitting conservatives, uh, you know, on the right side of the fence. And it's definitely making it harder for rhinos to exist because now they're really exposed, right? All of their constituents who blindly follow them are kind of like, did you see that documentary? Did you see the fraud? How come you didn't know about that? How come you never said anything? Yeah, they're, they're, they're getting exposed just like the legacy media, the reality of what their function is in this reality and society. 
is 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 being unveiled okay because a lot of them out there just don't say anything but they're watching and uh some of them are feeling a certain way right because a lot of people out there just don't like the idea of betrayal. A lot of people out there don't like the idea of uh, um, a lack of loyalty. A lot of people don't like the idea of being made to look a fool or stupid. And what do you think the legacy media has been doing to us forever since their inception, right? Yeah, just those base emotions themselves, sometimes that's enough to wake up people, right? It might not even be the word of the truth. It just might be the fact that they made him look like a fool. <laughs> Anyhow, next statement from President Trump, ladies and gentlemen. It says, Today, the worst election integrity governor in the country, Brian Can't Smile Kemp, loaded the great state of Georgia up with rhinos. That's right. He had them all. Chris Christie, Doug Ducey from Arizona, and Pete Ricketts from Nebraska. That tells you all you need to know about what you are getting in Georgia. Uh, just a continuation of bad elections and a real rhino if you vote for Kemp. Tell you what, guys, why don't we do this in honor of Brian Kemp? Hmm. We reserve the it's rhino hunting season for Brian Kemp, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> because we already knew he was a rhino, right? They, can, they always say you can tell a person by their friends and association. Interesting enough, most of these very same governors came down to Texas to hang out with uh, Governor Abbott and uh, piss on the border wall. <laughs> well, you know... It doesn't matter uh, what they leaked on. It matters uh, who let them leak, right? <laughs> who tossed... Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. After November, Abbott. After November, okay? After November, right? <laughs> you know, I skipped having tacos with the governor in my hometown when he went to the little Pika Pika flea market down the road, right? Okay. <laughs> I was like, Abbott, what you doing wheeling yourself over to the Pika Pika? I mean, come on. Don't you know people die on that side of town? Anyways, hey, Shell Out, what's going on? Good to see you. And uh, hey, it's also the Speak Uneasy. What's going on, bartender? Good to have you in the audience with us. Enjoy yourself, my friend, while you remain. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, they always say you can tell. You can tell a human by whom they associate with. You can also tell by their enemies, right? That does not bode well for Brian Kent Smile Kemp. He's hanging out with rhinos and he's made uh, President Trump like enemy number one for him. Would not want to be Kemp. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't even want to be himself just based on the way he smiles. Do I need to show you guys a picture or do you guys already have that burned into your head because I show it so frequently? Got one of the best comical smiles. It's like almost modeling his smile. It's so painful. It's so painful. But anyhow, indeed, guys. So, you know, and the uh, governor's race is, uh, is heating up of sorts in Georgia. They still got a ways to go, right? 
they still got a ways to go before it's, you know, uh, the um, um, Republican, conservative, whatever. That individual running up against Stinky Abrams. Uh, so, you know, that's still a bit of a ways to go, right? But, you know, we have uh, President Trump's endorsed man, Purdue, right? Purdue was uh, cracking a whack at uh, Kemp today. Uh, uh, he came out and said on uh, Just the News, Not the Noises, I think, television show, that apparently Brian Kemp is lining the pockets of George Soros. I was like, uh, Kemp, you fool! Don't you realize that George Soros donates millions of dollars to your political opponent in this race, Stacey Abrams? You know you know that Stacy and Brian have their little rendezvous, right? Over, over after he dines and wines her at the local Golden Corral, right? Shuts it down for her. Not that Stacy Abrams could not shut down a Golden Corral herself, but it's, he's the governor, right? Got to shut it down, you know? So they can have that whole buffet to themselves, right? And he can have a buffet of Stacey Abrams a little bit later on. Ah, oh, I'm going to make myself throw up. I need to stop it. Okay. Uh, well, but you know, I mean, like I said, Soros, uh, he donates to Stacey's campaign, right? Just gave her a million bucks, right? She can't spend it yet. That's right. She can't hit the buffet line with it just yet. But we got, George, we got Brian Kemp apparently making sweetheart deals, <laughs> with uh with george soros to his benefit right to his benefit tam girl's like he smiles <laughs> he thinks he does right he thinks he does anyways let's check this story out that uh stands to just totally ruin brian kemp right i mean if he weren't ruined enough you know but uh well here you go in Georgia governor's race, Purdue hits Kemp for the $1.5 billion that he has given to Soros-tied Rivian, which is an electric vehicle startup. And apparently, their shares have begun to plunge. Interesting. So he's really putting his neck out on the line for George Soros. It says... Uh, this is Purdue speaking. This may be the worst deal I've seen in my business career. A scandal is brewing in Georgia's Republican gubernatorial primary with candidate and former Senator David Purdue accusing incumbent govern Governor Brian Kemp of engaging in shady backroom deals and lining the pockets of liberal megadonor George Soros is part of a massive new economic development project in the Peach State. This may be the worst deal I've seen in my business career, honestly. Sorry, guys. I started doing the fake uh, Clinton Kamala um, Southern accents. Uh, allow me not to appropriate accents. I apologize. Okay. Anyways, Purdue went on to say this was just done the wrong way. And I, I've talked to the governor. It's appreciate, not appropriate. What do you think you are watching a liberal uh, lefty SJW uh, news show here? No, you know, those lefties don't read. Anyways, OK, uh, I'm from Texas after all. I think I can, I think I earned my drawl. <laughs> Anyways, and I've called the governor out on that and we've had no response. 
Earlier this week, state and local officials in Georgia inked a deal to dole out $1.5 billion of incentives to electric vehicle startup Rivian for it to build a $5 billion manufacturing plant east of Atlanta that will create 7,500 jobs. The incentives include major tax credits, a 25-year no-cost lease, and more than $198 million in site and road improvements on nearly 2,000 acres. So uh, immediately what I would say here is, uh, how long have you been itching to go green, Kemp, right? And and is Rivian going to be the new Kia of electric cars? Because that's what it sounds like, right? I mean, I'm sure if Stacey Abrams can fit in one, she'll get one. But uh, yeah, yeah, this is just this is totally counterintuitive to the message that his party seems to be saying, which is we don't want to drive a Prius, right? And we don't want electric cars, we don't want windmills, right? We don't want unsustainable, and, and that means as far as electricity flows, sustainability, right? We don't want unsustainable, unreliable, you know, types of energy. That's not safe, right? Anyhow, let's finish with this article. The incentive package is by far the largest Georgia has ever offered to a company, and according to Greg Leroy, Executive Director of Good Jobs First, the largest ever given by any United States state, United United States state, okay, by any United States state to an auto plant. I'm just making sure I'm not having a a, a seizure, guys. Okay, <laughs> just making sure that I am not having some type of a uh, uh, neural embolism. <laughs> Okay, it does say United States state. Okay, U.S. state. Anyways, okay, all right. Okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. (laughs) They could have said American state. I don't know. New questions surfaced about Kemp's deal and Rivian's economic viability on Monday, with uh, the company's stock price plunging 13% following reports that Ford will sell 8 million shares. Purdue on Friday described Rivian, a California-based company committed to fighting climate change as woke, noting Soros is a major investor. He made a similar point earlier this week. Purdue says, think about how many small businesses in Georgia could be helped for this kind of money instead of padding George Soros's pocket. Kemp gave away the farm to a woke corporation for something the locals don't even want and hardworking Georgians are left footing the bill. Last year, Soros bought about 20 million shares of Rivian, worth about $2.1 billion at the time, according to securities filings revealed in February. The purchase made Soros among the country's most prominent backers of progressive causes, one of the biggest investors in Rivian. The deal to build Rivian electric vehicle plant was first announced in December. Since then, Kemp has touted it as the biggest economic development project in Georgia history. Personally, I don't know, Kemp, if that is something that I would be proud of. So apparently Kemp uh, supports the 7,500 great paying jobs that are going to go to rural Georgia with this automobile manufacturing facility. Uh, The 7,500 jobs will be created by Rivian when the plant is fully built by the end of 2028. 
That's quite a stretch. With an average salary of $56,000 a year. Oh, they're just above the median, unless it's changed since the pandemic. Purdue said this week the plant will end up costing Georgia about $200,000 per job, basing that calculation on the state effectively paying $1.5 billion in taxpayer dollars for the plant to be built. The former senator who headed two Fortune 500 companies before entering politics on Friday blasted the Rivian deal as bad business for Georgia. There's no way at a billion and a half dollars this can be an economically feasible deal for the taxpayers with a decent return, he said. And they did not look at the infrastructure and all the other things necessary to do this. Looking at a company like Rivian, an unproven company, we don't even know they're going to be able to be successful. Rivian reported $2.5 billion in losses for the fourth quarter of last year. Boy, they must have like threatened to blow up Kemp's dog if he did not take this deal, right? This past week, its stock was worth about six times less than its $180 per share peak in November. On Monday, amid reports of major investors such as Ford selling their Rivian shares, the electric vehicle company's share price hit a new low, dropping below $25. Now is the time to get into Rivian, guys. <laughs> I kid, I kid. A major reason for the company's struggles has been its inability to meet production expectations. Last year, Rivian produced 11, uh, sorry, 1015 vehicles, falling short of its target of 1200. This year, the company halved its planned production output for 2022 from 50,000 units to 25,000 units. The new Georgia plant is expected to be capable of producing up to $400,000 400, vehicles a year at its operational peak. Purdue said Kemp and others backing the Rivian deal did not engage the local community, alluding to how some Georgians are worried about overdevelopment, loss of farmland, that was actually just on my mind, and general disruption to their daily lives. That's right. They need, to, they need to replace that farmland with something that you cannot sustainably grow to feed a community in the event of a food shortage, right? Let's give them electric cars. Boy, uh, Biden really was not kidding, right? He was like, give them electric cars, right? Let them eat electric batteries. Beyond the merits of the Rivian deal, Purdue has taken issue with the process of getting to an agreement. Kemp's latest budget proposal included $125 million uh, for land and training costs for the Rivian plant, which will span 1,978 acres in Morgan and Walton counties. They sold this land at $60,000 an acre, said Purdue. Now, farmland in that part of the state, that's about six to seven times what it's really worth. Purdue noted that one person who stands to benefit from the Rivian land deal is the head of the development board, a friend of the governor. He was referring to Alan Verner, who, along with his four siblings, owns about 675 acres of property earmarked for the Rivian plant, about one third of the total area. The Verners could pocket more than $20 million combined, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which described Alan Verner as integral to bringing the $5 billion plant to Georgia. 
Werner was serving as chairman of the Joint Development Authority of Jasper, Morgan, Newton, and Walton counties when talks to sell the land began early last year. He vacated the position in August when talks were well advanced. Ethics experts have expressed concern about a potential conflict of interest, noting Werner was both a prominent public official and a large landowner, especially since the Rivian deal has been widely reported as being brokered by state and local authorities in secrecy. Kind of sounds like that $40 billion package they're sending over to Ukraine that just passed the House. Uh, ladies and gentlemen... The uh, capital switchboard number is on the screen. You might want to call your senators. Will it stop them? Well, I guess there's only one way to find out, right? All right, wrapping up this article, it says just the news was unable to get in touch with Werner and state officials added it was unlikely Werner could have influenced Rivian's decision to choose the site of the plant and Werner's attorney and a JDA official said Werner took all the necessary steps to make sure that the uh, the deal went through before cautiously exiting from the group. Right? No, that's not what it says. They they said that he took everything in his place to avoid conflict of interest, right? Including abstaining from votes on Rivian and leaving the room when the board discussed Rivian, right? Uh, let's see here. It says, uh, Just News reached out to Kemp's office, uh, but there was no response. Uh, a, a spokeswoman said uh, the governor responded with a statement touting that the Rivian's deals was an economic benefit for Georgia. Uh, the statement said the state's agreement is consistent with previous major corporate investments, such as those made by successful projects with incredibly positive community impact like Kia Motors and SK Innovation. Because of the strategic design of these agreements, taxpayer dollars are protected in the unlikely event company goals are not met. In fact, this agreement is among the strongest the state has ever secured. The spokeswoman also stressed that the agreement ensures that the project will follow environmental standards and address many other pieces of constructive feedback from Georgians closest to the site, including a mechanism for long-term feedback as Rivian builds in its new Georgia home. When has any of these methods of feedback ever been effective or paid attention to? I would ask, right? Mm-hmm. Indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed. Okay. It's time for that good old Otero County breakdown, ladies and gentlemen, of the audit. All right. Let's get into it, guys. I know you all have been waiting for this moment. You guys are taking your notes, right? You got your pens and your papers out, or I don't know, maybe you're, I don't know, uh, uh, time stamping uh, your favorite parts. Just kidding, guys. Just kidding. Actually, we made it easier for you, right? We made it easier for you. Sorry, I'm just uh, ensuring that you guys have some good sound up in here for this next segment. Uh what you could do, guys, um, is if you are absolutely interested in it at all whatsoever, I have went ahead and uh, taken the liberty of clipping out all the essential details for this hearing in case you want to spread it amongst your social media links, get the word out, inform people. 
dropping the link to my Rumble page in chat rooms now, guys. And so this way you can head over there and check it out for yourself. Now, um, the um, Otero County, New Mexico election audit for the year 2020. Hey, be quiet, you. Sorry, I was just getting over to the uh, Foxhole page to drop the link. There you go, guys. All right, we can stifle whomever that was that was talking. Uh, The Otero County, New Mexico election audit, guys, didn't happen suddenly um, unless you were not aware that it was happening. It's been going on since January, ladies and gentlemen. In January is when they had the canvas going, right? Uh, I believe they had a hearing in late December or mid-December with the county commissioners in Otero County. And the county commissioners voted unanimously to approve the audit of the 2020 election. And uh, they faced trouble ever since then, guys. Uh, The New Mexico Audit Force is the name of the grassroots organization or group or community that came together to get this um, to get this uh, um, audit going and to make it a reality. And here we are in May, and they have released their results. They still have more results to release, but, you know, the results that they have shared are quite telling and quite damning, okay? Quite telling and quite damning, quite evident, quite evidence of fraud, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, good evening. Uh, who we got there? Seize the day, 9-11. Good to see you. Good to see you. Pablo63, good to see you. Oh, we have a comment on the previous story. If Purdue loses the Republican primary, he should run as an independent. Well, he could do that. He could do that for sure. Good to have you in the audience. Welcome in, Pablo63. Welcome in. All right, guys. Cool, cool, cool. Always good to have some new blood uh, in the chat room. Welcome, welcome. Friends will make you feel comfy. Okay, so um, uh, they they faced trouble ever since then, the New Mexico Audit Force, and not for the fact that the name of the group sounds like a superhero group, but for the fact that there's a reason why the, um, the powers that be did not want this audit to happen, okay? Obviously, right? Now, Otero County, the county wherein this audit took place, uh, the county went to President Trump, okay? Uh, Which begs the question from uh, left-leaning liberals, progressives, and Democrats, why do they want to audit a county where they won? Why can't they just be happy with the win? You know, right? Like, uh, I'm sorry, fair Democrats, Uh, We understand that you are happy with the win because you cheated, right? And so it's quite the relief. We're not going to question the results. We won by cheating, right? Uh, We want to get to the bottom of it, right? We want to know for a fact that if our state or our county in this case actually won, was there nothing untoward happening behind the scenes And it's a good question to ask, guys, because even though we are like almost, what, two years removed from that election coup that took place on November 3, 2020, 
um, the information that we are gathering is quite important and it will only go to further secure our elections. But Mr. C, we've had elections in 2021 and the midterms are right around the corner. Well, they're not here just yet, but yes, they are right around the corner. It's coming pretty quick, guys. November will be here like that, guys. November will be here in a flash in the pan, in the blink of an eye, in the release of wind from certain bowels that they come from. That quick, guys. That silent and that deadly. Ladies and gentlemen, I ain't joking. It's already May, right? It is already May, okay? So uh, what good is having these election audits transpiring, uh, you know, uh, a handful of months before the midterms? What good is that for security? They promised us that 2020 and after would be secure, Mr. C. Well, you know what? As soon as you get your panties out of a twist and remove it from that crack, okay, you take a deep breath, okay, and you realize that we, the story is not done yet, okay? Uh, I mean, it, it, all of these election audits and all of this evidence may not even break on through to the other side until well after 2022. Now, if that sounds disheartening, then you, my friend, are of little faith, okay? And I don't think I'm just being overly optimistic here, guys. You know, I don't think I'm being overly optimistic, but, you know, we've made enough strides at this point. It's kind of like, I want to keep illegitimate Joe in office because as long as he's in office, we can decertify the bastard's election, right? And then we can put him where he belongs, in the basement with Barry Sotero sucking on cocaine and thumbs or whatever it is that they do down there. Tripping over each other, right? And their headsets in the dark and their pajamas, okay? Uh, because, you know, it, it stands to re... I'm surprised Joe Biden has made it this far, guys. Honestly, I lost a wager. You know, I thought he would have killed over by now. But that's besides the point, right? It's a good thing I don't play in Vegas. Hey, Justice Song, how you doing? But anyhow, guys, anyhow, guys, let's get into this. Um, let's get into this audit, guys. Now, the, the things I really would encourage you all to take away would be the similarities, the patterns, okay, that we are seeing between this audit and audits that have already occurred in other states, even the ones that have been foibled, like in New Hampshire, right? New Hampshire, big time, right? Big time did they uh, play that audit, guys. They played that audit like a fiddle, ladies and gentlemen. And because of Hari Hursty, they got away with it. Um, Antrim County, Michigan, guys. Everyone is still discounting Antrim County, Michigan. Uh, they may not know or they may have forgotten. No, they probably don't know. You know, that um, the, uh, the case, the lawsuit is back into consideration. It's in appeals right now, actively speaking. Uh, we're just waiting on a, a judge to make a decision about whether or not they are going to go ahead and hear the case of William Bailey and election fraud in Antrim County, Michigan, right? Matthew DiPerno is standing, uh, standing ready for that. He's standing by even while his own party is attacking him and trying to strip him of his license to litigate. Right? Pretty bad. It's pretty bad, guys. Pretty bad. 
Now, um, one of the interesting factoids uh, about the Otero, New Mexico, Otero County, New Mexico audit is that uh, one of the uh, main auditors, uh, the main inspectors, actually is the same dude that uh, uh, did the audits and the analysis of the Antrim County, Michigan forensic audit. And it was a forensic audit. They went through the machines and all of that. Now, in the New Mexico audit, they did not go through the machines. But that does not mean that one should give up on the machines in New Mexico because the machines that they used in Otero County, New Mexico are the exact same model and make as the machines that they used in Antrim County. The exact same model and make, and they are Dominion voting machines, ladies and gentlemen. So whatever they try to dismiss and shelve in Antrim County, whatever evidence, whatever knowledge, whatever information, uh, that book is reopened in Otero County, New Mexico, ladies and gentlemen, from hot to cold, from cold to hot. Well, here we go, guys. So as I was saying, I put the um, I put the links in the chats, at least two of them for my uh, Mr. CTV Rumble page here, guys. Like I said, I've been a busy, busy, busy clipping. So, you know, if you guys would share the links to this audit, that would be amazing. Put them on your truth socials, put them on your Twitters, put them on your gabs, put them on your uh, whatever else there is that you do. Send them to your friends, right? Because uh, this was actually a pretty tidy audit results hearing, guys. A pretty tidy audit results hearing, okay? And then we got the other stuff clipped out. Got other stuff clipped out here. Full episodes, etc. It's the works going on over there at Rumble. All right, guys. So let's start with our first uh, bit of information. Uh, the first uh, first one we're going to consider is uh, that in the audit, the election data and the records were deleted. But here's the funny thing. They were deleted while the audit was in progress. Is that not crazy, guys? Uh, and I'll, uh, I'll uh, share this uh, little bit of information here with you all. Let me go ahead and expand that. Uh, and then we'll watch the video. This is so you guys know what you're watching. Um, auditors in Otero County, New Mexico 2020 election audit reported deleted election files when inspecting the results tallying reporting system. The deleted files included ballot images, ballot image files, cast vote records per tabulation files, and total cast vote tabulation record files. While files remain uh, remained stored, uh, sorry, while files remained stored for other election years, 2020 was the only election year missing. These files had been downloaded. Election clerks informed the auditors Dominion asked the clerks to back up their files before they performed maintenance on the machines in February that could possibly delete the data. The Secretary of State authorized Dominion workers to perform the maintenance in February 2022, aware an audit was being performed on the elections since January. Okay, so that is the setup. Here is the breakdown. And uh, we'll see you in just a second, guys. On my experience, uh, I said, look, I don't want to touch your equipment. 
but can I be allowed to have you look at some things on your election management system? So we did that. Uh, we did that a week or so ago, I think, something like that, week and a half. But um, when we did that, I was surprised to find some things that should have been there that were not there. So uh, in, in particular, if you, if you run the RTR, which is the results tally and reporting system, um, in that system, uh, the county uh, personnel was able to show me that the image files had been downloaded uh, because it's recorded in there. Okay, so it shows a check mark they had been downloaded, but the image files weren't on the system. Now, just really quick, Jeff, when you're referring to image files, are we ballot image? Ballot image. Are we talking about a particular election? 2020. Okay. Yeah. So, so just, we were in looking at the project file for 2020, and uh, the uh, the personnel had downloaded the images, but the image files were not in the system. Okay, they weren't there, and uh, that is non-trivial to delete image files from a whole bunch of different subdirectories and so on uh, that should have been there. Along with that, there are other records that get downloaded when you load in the results, and those were not there. Um, the cast vote records per tabulator were not there. There was one massive ca uh, cast vote record for the entire election. Mm. Um, so there were things that I was looking for that weren't there. Uh, then they happened to tell me that, um, that the voting machine company had come in in February to upgrade the system and to uh, remove mm. some of the older files. Mm. And um, that they had asked them to do a backup ahead of time of some of the information if they didn't want to lose it. Um, if I can just comment about that, I, it seems to me that that couple things wrong with that. <laughs> One is that, uh, you know, if, if you're going to come in and do an upgrade, it's your responsibility absolutely. to do a backup, not, absolutely. not call someone else and say you do a backup. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so it would have been their responsibility to see that it was done and, and not uh, rely on someone else to have done it ahead of time. Um, so, so that's an issue. Why they had to clean off old files is another problem. In the process, we looked for, because the results were missing, what I said is, look, let's just go get the project file, and hopefully there was a backup done of the project file, and then that'll have the results in it. And you can load that. And then we'll see those image files. We'll be able to get the stuff that's missing. But we could not find the project file on the system. So then uh, discovered there had been a backup made of the project files for a whole list of elections. Okay, like six elections or something like that. And so um, said, sure, let's, let's pull that out. Let's take a look at the backup. So they pulled it out, uh, looked at the backup and went through each of those folders and in each one it had a project file and it had a security file okay associated with that project file for like a half a dozen elections except for 2020 the 2020 election file was not there the security file for it was but the project file was not there now the personnel i was talking to said you know i i, I must have deleted it and I'm looking at it going, I don't think so. Based on, you know, the fact 
she was able to copy everything else over correctly. I don't understand how she would accidentally go in and delete one. It file. had to have been selectively deleted if it was deleted. That's what it looks like to me. My expert opinion was someone deleted that. Yep. Okay, that file. It should be there. It's not there. Okay, and again, not making accusations, but the voting machine folks did come in in February, and. I don't know when the audit process started. Okay, and just for purposes of the live stream and for you all here, uh, the, the voting machine vendor in New Mexico is Dominion, and the authorization for the full forensic audit was in mid-January. So not only mm. was there an authorization for us to evaluate these very things to, for it to be a full forensic audit, wasn't just paper ballots, it was the election management system, which is what we're talking about today. People from Dominion, the Secretary of State's office, the Attorney General's office, all knew that this full forensic audit was underway for about a month at that point, because we began canvassing almost immediately, because that was one of the things that we could do without having uh, obstacles presented our way on having access. And so um, that's the timeline. So we have knowledge, and there's only a few people that have an opportunity to have access. My understanding is that the election management system is within the, the clerk's office. Um, I don't want to provide details on exactly where, but we know exactly where that system is. And it stands to reason that the only people that should have any access to it would be clerk personnel or approved vendors. And in that case, that would be people from Dominion. Ooh, people from Dominion. All right. So that's a, uh... That's pretty crazy, guys. Pretty, you, could, you could pretty much understand exactly what was going on here. Now, just so you guys can see, I want you all guys to, uh, okay, to uh, be able to identify. Uh, the gentleman in the brown suit here, blazer, that is, uh, that's a man by the name of David Clements, and he was basically heading up the uh, audit efforts. Uh, the gentleman in the blue uh, navy blazer, that is uh, Jeffrey uh, Lendberg, okay? And that is your expert, that is your pro, uh, who also handled the Antrim County um, analysis and audit uh, forensically of the machines. And he also was working in Georgia as well and other places. So uh, those are your players, guys, uh, as far as this hearing goes at this point. Let's take a look at the next, uh, the next um, uh, factor here. Uh, this is um, um, the Dominion machines have remote accessibility. Now, like I said, guys, uh, these are the exact same make and model Dominion machines that were used in Antrim County, which uh, uh, Mr. Lenberg uh, reported on extensively, right? Uh, and and filed those reports. It was all part of the. It was all part of the, the trial. Um, and so that's how he's. That's how he has this knowledge. Uh, obviously, um, uh, Secretary of Snakes, uh, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver, did not give them access uh, without threatening them uh, for um, uh, costing the counties to get new machines, right? Uh, sa same scheme as they pulled in Michigan, same scheme as they pulled in Colorado, okay? 
the Dominion machines used in Otero County, New Mexico, are the same machines used in Antrim County, Michigan. One of the auditors, Jeffrey Lendberg, proved the Dominion voting machines in Antrim County were capable of being connected to a Wi-Fi signal and has remote access with administrative capabilities. Two ports that allow remote access will do so without turning the screens on, providing covert access to off-site users. Okay, so that's pretty crazy right there too, okay? Uh, they have, not only do they have remote access, but two of the ports allow for covert on, um, access to... Accert, act, uh, covert access so so they won't they will not even turn the computers on when someone decides to remotely access these machines so you never know that someone is in there poking things around or doing whatever it is that they do but that was part of their findings so let's uh check it out um with this specific equipment the the model that, that you guys have and um what i discovered was that there are features inside this particular Dell model um, that can be used for remote access uh, capabilities. Uh, there are there are six USB ports. Two of them allow for waking up the computer with various things that occur on those two ports, and um, and and there's actually six ports in use on the EMS here in Otero County. And something I haven't been able to do, but would like to be able to do with the appropriate authority is to find out a little bit more about what those are connected to. Um, the reason is to, those two ports can wake up the machine when you don't expect it to. And it can be woken up because of specific technology that's in this machine um, where it doesn't turn on the screen. So the computer's there, it's off doing things and you don't know because the screen's not on, okay? So that capability is available in the equipment that's sitting here in the county. And secondly is on the motherboard of this uh, Dell, and I'm not saying it's there, but the concern is it might be there, is a, uh, uh, a socket designed for a wireless modem to be plugged in on the motherboard, okay? Not on an add-in card. And it specifically has an Intel te technology called AMT, which allows for out-of-band administration of the, of the computer. What that means by out-of-band is the operating system doesn't even know that you're on the computer and you're changing things. The idea is if the Windows is busted, a remote administrator can come in, fix some drivers, and make the machine work again without actually having to come from a distance away, which is a great feature if you're, your IT guy and I were talking about, it's a great feature if you're administrating computer spread all over the place. On the other hand, it should never be in an election system, period. My opinion, modems should never be in an election system, and, um, and you should never have this kind of capability uh, where you can wirelessly connect and, and go in and modify the system. So uh, the concern is, is it in there or not? I have no idea. But if it is in there, then with this ability, it can wake up the machine. It doesn't give any indication that it's awake. Um, you can do it with a wireless connection. You could be parked along the curb, you know, outside the office there, and you could make modifications to this machine, you know, as much as you wanted to. 
and no one would know that you're doing that. And so that would be my concern is that there could be, especially given that video where they say we don't have it, but they had it. The other reason I'm concerned about it is I want to tell you a quick story about Georgia. So in my time in Georgia, uh, it was county clerk, Coffee County, okay, and uh, she, on the runoff, uh, they sent down uh, to be with her a couple of Dominion representatives. One of them was from Detroit. Why they had to send people from out of state, I don't know. But um, she is actually the one that had a viral video that showed how you could just change the votes on the on the high-speed scanner, you could adjudicate and change any vote on any ballot you wanted to, and that went viral on the internet. Uh, that was prior to the runoff, and then for the runoff, they sent these guys down. Her high-speed scanner, she had one, was misbehaving very badly. She was having trouble getting 20 ballots through. She just, it was driving her crazy. So finally, her uh, supervisor, uh, she's the election supervisor, but the board, uh, the head of the board, called up uh, Dominion and said, you know, you need to fix this uh, or, or we're going to have to let everybody know how bad your equipment is. And so uh, about a half hour later, um, the Dominion guys came in and said, Misty, try one more time. Try just one more time. And she was skeptical. Uh, she, by the way, did not allow them anywhere near the equipment. So they did not, they weren't allowed to touch it, go near it. It was locked in a separate room. So they did not access that equipment, but that machine ran perfectly after that. And I can verify because yeah. I showed up later and she demonstrated it for me that it was running perfectly. Yeah. Okay. So they somehow, they, the common sense conclusion would be they accessed her machine remotely and changed the configuration and fixed it. And those machines were advertised as absolutely having no wireless capability no connection to the outside world and their desktop EMS was connected to their high-speed scanner through a bridge and I believe it's the same model that's sitting in the county here okay so that's why me as a black hatter I'm going this question needs to be answered <laughs> is there something inside this machine because optionally it could have that capability to be connected uh, wirelessly and and therefore and that appears to be what they did in Coffee County. Okay, so that that's the concern that uh, that I had there, and and why uh, I wanted to bring that up. But I think someone needs to look at it. And, and I want to just add a little bit more clarity for folks when we talk about the, the representations from Dominion. Not only did he make those representations, he was under oath when he made them to the Michigan State Legislature. He lied under oath. He committed perjury. And you had people not only uh, experts that actually had access to the motherboard and confirmed that you had the ability to to hook these machines to the internet. You had Eric Coomer, the vice president of Dominion, admit as much. He's been recorded, and I provided those videos uh, some months back, where that was a feature that was touted as a vendor to these places. All right, so pretty interesting, guys. Pretty interesting now. Um, there are some things that we can definitely take away from that exchange, all right, about the connectability to the internet. And, and this, this goes towards speaking to uh, uh, the bigger picture of the Dominion voting system machines, right? 
And that would primarily be because think about all of the lawsuits that went forth from out the mouth of dominion unto those whom spoke against it. Right now, I was uh, I'm planning to do a um, a dominion uh, a dominion um, lawsuit catch up you know type of segment in a very uh, very near soon episode, guys. <clears throat> So we can kind of go over some of these lawsuits, like uh, cause people are like, haven't haven't they been dismissed or did they move? You know, well, I know the Fox News one is still in play. I know the Patrick Byrne one is still in play. I'm a little bit unclear about the Sidney Powell one, but think about Sidney Powell's, for example, who said Dominion voting machines can be connected to the internet, right? And uh, it was it was I mean. It, there are a lot of pieces to the puzzle missing for her case, right? Like if we were to um, 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 offer a th- the theory that I presented here on the show last night or uh, two nights ago about, you know, not that it's correct, but, you know, about the different levels at play here from the international involvement and the um, the connecting to the Wi-Fi and satellites that happened there versus the on the ground actual machines and, you know, the cover that they provided for it there, like those two factors. Um, But that's not the point, hardly. Actually, the point is that they can indeed connect to the internet. And in every audit or investigation of the machines as happened since, it has been documented and it has been proven from Halderman's report in Georgia to um, uh, to um, um, Mr. Uh, Lundenberger's here report in Antrim County, okay, to Gableman's report in Wisconsin, to Tina Repeater's port in a report in Colorado, okay, to Tori Maris's report in that's actually still in uh, that's actually still an active case, right? They've all proven it, right? And then the number one thing about this that's interesting is that Dominion has sued them for defamation, but to this day has not proven that the uh, devices cannot connect to the internet. They're using a little bit of that Babylonian money magic, uh, the faith or the, um, the denial of those who are going along with that lawsuit and that claim of defamation, you know? So we'll, we'll do a Dominion lawsuit uh, catch up uh, relatively soon, guys, just to see where that is, because no one else is talking about Dominion, right? But all in all cases across the board, Dominion has been proven to have internet capabilities. We just heard the man. And in Gableman's report and and uh, also, I believe, in Tina Peters, they found like over 30 points of possible connection within the voting machine. That's excessive, if you ask me. Very excessive. Uh, hey, one, two, three, SKG, thank you so much for gifting the can. Where's Matt? He <laughs> Aurelius Locke needs some Matt in his life. Uh, uh, unfortunately, Aurelius... We did not include Matt in uh, tonight's viewing for the uh, Otero County um, uh, audit results. Uh, thank you for the 100 gold pills. Speaking easy, much appreciated. Tam Gral cannot stand the camera angle. 
Well, Miss Tamgrau, that is the angle of the county surveillance camera. So that's what we get, right? <laughs> Hang in there, sweetie. Hey, classical chick, what's up? Uh, next, uh, next point of consideration, Dominion machines can vote or mark the ballots. Now, this is a brand new one, guys. This is one that we haven't heard of before, okay? Uh, so, basically, it, it, it's exactly as it sounds. The Dominion voting machine tabulators have the ability not to just scan the ballots, but actually fill out the ballots, right? And what makes this brand new piece of information even more interesting is that the Dominion voting machine printers, tabulator printers, do so in a way that the markings mimic human uh, penmanship. In other words, it doesn't look like something that was filled out by a computer and uh, photocopied. Is that interesting or not, guys? Why would a voting system tabulator need to have that ability, one might wonder? Hmm, I know I did. Found that very interesting. So uh, Jeffrey Lindberg learned that the ATI ballot tabulator, which is used for disabled citizens to vote, can mark or fill out the ballot for that voter. An interesting feature of this function is that the ballot is printed on in a way is printed in a way that it appears a human filled out the ballot and not a printer. Another concerning feature is that the tabulator reverses the ballot to ensure the vote is correct. The ballot then is fed back into the tabulator. Landberg believes that it is during this step in the voting process that the fraud can occur. The reversal rate of ballots by tabulators was found to be as high as 20% in some states. Which is to say, whenever the tabulator shoots the ballot back out, so this way you can confirm the vote of the disabled citizen, when it goes back in, it marks it and it counts it. And they found this to be peculiar because this was happening to ballots in tabulators that had nothing to do with disabled citizens and their right to vote. So uh, let's take a look at this segment. It's about three minutes long, y'all. Uh, you do the vote with the ADA unit. ADA for, is, stands for. For the uh, American Disabilities Act. What's the actual equipment called? I forget. ATI is the equipment, yeah, but it's it's for you know disabled people to be able to vote, um, and the ballot uh, then gets fed into the tabulator, and it's fed into the same slot, correct, Selena? It's fed into the same slot, and it actually votes the ballot, and it reverses it. So you can check to see that it voted correctly. And I took a picture of one of these. And on there, it looks like it was hand filled in. It's not computer generated. You know, computer generated is a perfect oval filled in. Yeah. Instead, it, it in their software, they've for some reason purposely made it so that it doesn't look like it was computer generated. Okay. Then you turn around and you feed that ballot back in and now it tabulates that ballot. I have a huge problem with that. Having a tabulator that can modify a vote. Okay, now in this case, it's great. I, I mean, I don't have a problem with 
people with disabilities voting. I want them to be able to vote, okay? I want to do everything possible sure. to make it easy for them to vote, sure. but not with this mechanism. A tabulator should never, ever be able to vote a ballot, okay? And these tabulators that you're using today can, okay? That's a problem, and here's why. If you, everything's in this, I'm not saying it's occurring, I'm saying as a bad guy, I love it because all I got to do is change the logic slightly and I put in a voted ballot and I see, I, sorry, I see that, didn't mean to wake you up, Robin. I, I see that uh, uh, the, the machine sees that I didn't vote on some down ballot race. So it votes for me. It reverses the ballot. And what do we do when it reverses? We just feed it back in. Now, what I need to tell you, because of my travels, that we saw something very unusual occurring across the country that is out of spec. In Georgia, the reversal rate on the tabulators was between 15 and 20%. And I said, what did you do? Well, we just feed it a second time, and then it takes it. Sometimes we have to feed it a third time and it takes it, but it always takes it. So you got to stop and say, what's going on here? Why is the tabulator reversing the ballot in the first place? And then it takes it on the second or third try. Are you talking about when they're using the API for it? No. Are you talking about if it's undervoted? A normal ballot. No, no indication, no undervote, no problem. It reverses the ballot. Craziness abounds, ladies and gentlemen. Now, one might be like, well, you know, how do they pull that off? Well, let's not forget all of these Wi-Fi ports that can be accessed remotely with two of them specifically designed to be able to infiltrate the machinery without the motherboard even being aware that there is another program running behind it. It's all designed, it seems to me, for uh, other purposes, right? Other functions that you wouldn't expect to be on a voting machine. Like, why do they need it to be able to do that, right? Makes no sense. Uh, they found that there was uncertified software on Dominion machines. Um, and th this was the exact same case that we saw in Arizona and in Antrim County. Microsoft uh, SQL, I think is what it was called. Uh, it says right here, let me go ahead and expand that real quick. Whoops, wrong one, wrong screen, Mr. C. Uncertified software, Microsoft Server SQL Server Management Suite 17 was found in Dominion voting machines. The software allows users to manipulate or change the data, including administrative functions, and it was found with no password needed to access the software, okay? We've heard this story before. We're going to hear it again. And uh, we're going to be thinking about patterns, right? Patterns. Maricopa in here now, and that is on your EMS, there is Microsoft uh, SQL Server Management Suite 17. And uh, uh, they, I, I, I told them where to go look for it. They pulled it up on a menu, ran it. Were and clicked it to go into it, there was no password required. First of all, this tool is not 
from what I can tell from the certified Dominion equipment by Pro V&V, that it is not on the list of certified software to be on the machine. Okay. Um, but it was on the machine in all three of these locations. What this tool allows you to do is anything you want to the data. In fact, there's a well-known little trick where you go in and you change the password and now you go back out and you just created your own password into the system. You don't need to know the Dominion password anymore. You can do all the Dominion functions uh, on, on the system. And I actually proved, proved that, that we could do that, not in Otero, but in other locations. Okay. So this is like having, you know, uh, a secure system where you have, you know, big locked door, you've got a big gate out front, you know, you got some guards, and then you walk around the back of the house. And not only is the door open, there's no back wall. You literally can do anything you want on the system. Okay. And it's a database-based system, which means that everything is kind of in this database. The results are in there. The programming's in there. Everything is in the database. And you have full capability to modify it any which way you want. I actually demonstrated that in my seven-minute video. I went in and used that tool to modify and make what we call the Antrim shuffle occur. Okay. We could modify it. In okay, the Antrim Shuffle, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that seven-minute video he's referring to, we have played here at the Sea Report before, guys, when we were covering Antrim County. Uh, in the video, the seven-minute video he's referring to, uh, Mr. Lenberg, uh, he illustrates live on camera how one can access and manipulate um, uh, uh, what the machines are supposed to do remotely, how it can change the vote uh, remotely, and uh, it also demonstrates, obviously, its connectability to Wi-Fi. Um, we could play it again. Uh, we could play it again. Maybe not tonight. It would be a good thing to play it tonight. But uh, all right, the next one is the Canvas results. Now, as you guys know, they also did a Canvas of Otero County. Um, you know, the canvas is where you really find the, you know, that's where the really hits the road, guys. Like, you know, um, that's where you really put your, your, your pedal to the metal, guys. That's where you really have, it's a real proving ground, the canvas. That's where you get your real life versus your digital life and your fraudulent life, right? Uh, and and just, just as in other states where we have seen canvases happen, Arizona, South Carolina, uh, Indiana, ladies and gentlemen, and, and for those of you in the audience, are, are, uh, South Carolina, what? They did a canvas? Uh, Indiana, they did a canvas? I mean, uh, they did a canvas, really? Yeah, they sure did, guys. They sure did. Um, and so uh, it's it's the same, basically, just in varying degrees of uh, of discrepancies. But uh, let's take a look real quick at what this says. Uh, the canvas results in Otero County for the 2020 election uh, took two months to complete. 40% of the votes canvassed had discrepancies. 30% of the votes canvassed had voters at the wrong address who may have resided at the address, who may not have resided at the address in question. 
40% of the invalidly addressed voters voted in the election. So 40% of that 30% actually voted. 5% of the voters were incorrectly recorded. In this case, voters said they voted on election day, but the Secretary of State's records show they may have early voted or voted by absentee. 4% of the ballots casted were ghost votes, someone who did not vote, but a vote was cast in their name or an unknown residence voted. 2% of the votes canvassed were dropped votes or missing votes, which is a person's vote was not recorded. Oh, the shenanigans of it all, guys. Here we go. This pie chart right here represents thousands of hours of work um, on their their part and I'm very grateful. Um, We at the end of the canvas we canvassed every weekend for about two months and we were able to sample 20% of the households in Otero County which is a huge sample size. Um, With that sample size you can um, have confidence that these numbers that I'm showing you right here are accurate within 2% of themselves. So when I say there's 4% ghost votes within 2% of 4%, I mean, we're pretty sure that's that's just true across the county. Um, it, and certainly in the, um, we, we canvassed full precincts so that we would have an accurate picture of full precincts. And I'll get into this, um, we're gonna drill down. It's gonna take a long time to really get everything out of the canvas that I can explain to you, but I just wanna keep it high level for today. So from the canvas, 59% of the households that we knocked on the door, there was no issue with those registrations at the door, but 40%, 41% had issue. And and I think this is a really big deal. 30% um, of the people we knocked on the doors, they don't live at that address. Some of them, they never lived at at that address. Some of them, there was no record of them ever existing at that address and they need to be removed. Um, 40% of that 30% also voted. So there's no way for us now at this point, you know, unless that, we can confirm, no, this person never lived here. I know that for a fact. Um, Those ones, we can't say whether or not those votes were valid or not because they're not there to ask and the people that live there now don't know. But so there's there's just a giant unknown, I would say, with that 30%. But um, the thing with the other slices of the pie, the incorrectly recorded uh, were 5%. um, And that means that we went to the door and we said, how did you cast your ballot in 2020? Did you cast it absentee? Did you cast it in person on election day? Did you cast it early? And they would say almost when this, when it was wrong, it was almost, I voted on election day, but it was recorded as early or absentee. And whenever that happened, we would say, you know, are you sure? Because this is what the secretary of state's record says. And sometimes they say, no, you're right. I'm not quite sure. It could have been early or whatever, but These people that I'm saying this 5%, they're like, no, I know it was, I voted on election day and it was recorded as something else. And then the ghost votes account for 4% of the doors we knocked on. And those were, um, it could be two things. It could be uh, a vote was cast from a name, a person at an address that absolutely didn't live there, or somebody knows that they did not cast a vote and a vote was cast in their name. So we had say a couple that um, they said it, the record show they voted absentee. I think that's what, what it was. He was like, no, we were in the hospital with COVID throughout early voting and we never voted in November, 2020, but a vote was cast in their name. That's a ghost vote. And then we have 2% votes dropped and that's where somebody says, I know I voted and there's no record of their vote in the record anymore. And so um, 
this 11%, this speaks to manipulation of the digital record. So this speaks to, and sure, there's going to be some error. Sure, there's going to be some people that just misremember, though we did our best to make, make sure that people weren't misremembering and that they would, they would vouch for themselves that know this. All right. So pretty and sweet and short, guys, the results of their canvas. It's the same across the board, guys. Every state that has performed a canvas of any amount of area in their respective uh, counties and states, there are always these types of discrepancies, which is very concerning, right? Very concerning. Some more egregious than others. All right. Now we're getting to some of the juicy stuff, right? Uh, this segment is about um, known collusion uh, between state officials, specifically the Secretary of State, and non-governmental organizations and nonprofits, including communications documentation and a question about numbers that don't don't add up uh, based on uh, vote totals and also based on um, recorded data. Okay. Uh, here it says, um, aud what, 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 what's going on? Where'd I go? Oh, there I am. My bad. Pardon me. Uh, it says, uh, auditors, <clears throat> pardon me, auditors found communications showing coordination between Secretary of State Maggie Toulouse Oliver and non-governmental organizations coordinating and sharing election vote cast data and voter registration data. Non-governmental organization operatives were found to have links to liberal and Democrat organizations such as Rock the Vote and the Center for Tech and Civic Life. So let's go ahead and check that out. Okay, so I want to get into um, the corruption that I believe we can uh, say with confidence is occurring at the Secretary of State level. And I have evidence um, to back that up. Um, I just want to introduce you to three people before I get into this. Um, it's a little bit complicated, but there's Maggie Tulis Oliver, our Secretary of State. She was a former Democrat operative, so she was a former employee at some of these NGOs um, that are currently under scrutiny for their association with the ballot trafficking mules. And then Alex Curtis is the uh, communications director. He's also a former Democrat operative. Um, associated with some of these people that you're going to, uh, I think it's quite interesting. And then Catherine Clark, um, she, during the 2020 election, she was a, ca a candidate for the county clerk in Santa Fe County. Um, she was a current Democrat operative at the time. She owned a, com a company that ran, um, they made field plans for candidates, for Democrat candidates, and she was a current Democrat official. She was an elected official in the Santa Fe County Democrat Party. Next. So that Alex Curtis gentleman here, some of the NGOs he's been associated with, the one I want to point out right now is the Center for Civic Policy. Um, he was working there at the same time that the Center for Civic Policy was assisting Rock the Vote to get that backdoor access to our voter rolls. And I'm just going to go over that real quick. Next, next slide. So these are the emails that we got through an IPA request. It is. Um, it starts off with Jen... Latino um, of Rock the Vote, sending the Secretary of State a request to have 
access to her OBR system that's the same as they have in Pennsylvania and Virginia. And if you go to their website, they actually explain what that is. And it uh, appears that they have right access to the roles in Pennsylvania. Um, and um, it, it was proven in Pennsylvania that they actually had IP addresses were pinging their, their database. Next. And Maggie says, oh, we'll reach out back to you. And then um, this Melanie Aranda starts to assist Rock the Vote. She's a center in civic policy and continuing to ask the Secretary of State, you know, we need this access. Can you give it to us? Is it ready yet? And then the Secretary of State says, I will give you a call shortly so we can discuss what is available to you that should meet your needs. So they take this um, conversation out of writing and onto the phone, which I would do too if I was aware of IPRA and I was about to give a third party enhanced access that other people don't have um, to the voter registration rolls. Next slide, please. So just to remind you, Rock the Vote shares their OVR platform with 1,198 other partners. We have no idea who these partners are. We, we have an idea of who one of these partners are, and that's going to come up shortly. Next slide, please. So here's Rock the Vote um, associated with Center for Tech and Civic Life. And you've probably heard Center for Tech and Civic Life um, is the organization that Mark Zuckerberg started who distributed those drop boxes throughout this country, spent $300 million um, to privately change how we, how fundamentally how we vote across the country. And they're associated with Rock the Vote. So it's possible that Center for Tickets, Center for Tech and Civic Life, as well as all these other um, giants have access and share that OVR platform. And for purposes of New Mexico, $4.2 million was allocated for those drop boxes and uh, I believe you have one here present in Otero County. Two. Okay. Oh, man. Let me tell you what. Uh, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver is in trouble, right? And uh, so is that Catherine Clark girl. Because she was actively involved in rigging the numbers, as you'll see in our next clip. And she was running for office at the same time. Okay. Hey, Miss Burke, what's going on? Glad you're here to keep Miss Growl company. Miss Burke and Miss Growl, good to have you with us. Okay, guys, let's move on to our Nick. We only got uh, two more clips. This one and one other one to wrap up our um, to wrap up our look at the um, finer points of this um, election audit, guys. Election audit, right? Like it's it's a pattern, guys. It is a pattern. I mean, they stole different and they stole, you know, um, harder in some states, but overall, the method was pretty much the same. Uh, it says here, uh, and actually this is um, a, a massive vote totals report manipulation evidence, okay? Uh, email communications between New Mexico Secretary of State Maggie Toulouse-Oliver and NGO representatives Alex Curtis and Catherine Clark, also a candidate in the 2020 election, reveal coordination of ballot counts. Analysis shows peculiar data, such as in Santa Fe County, where 70% of the vote was cast by 11 a.m. on Election Day. And then the votes vanished as recorded at the 3 p.m. vote cast report. So what's up with that? Ladies and gentlemen, let's see what their analysis has to say about that. Okay, so what I wanted to get into now that I have an introduction, um, Alex Curtis is tied to NGOs, Rock the Vote, um, and that 
Center for Civic Life. He was involved in all of that stuff to give those third parties this enhanced access. Um, and one of the things I discovered through our IPRA requests um, were that Maggie and Alex sent some strange emails on election day. Um, so Alex is currently the communications director for the Secretary of State, and what that job entails is he writes press releases and he writes Facebook posts. He's not technical, theoretically. Um, he probably doesn't have his hands in the data. He's not running elections. He's writing Facebook posts. So that's what makes um, what I'm about to show you um, very strange. So there were five emails sent between these people. Um, the first was at 11 a.m. on election day. I mean, sorry, 8 a.m. on 8 a.m. on election day, 11 a.m. And then there were two very close together. There was one at 3:18 p.m. and and Maggie said, "This is a just for me, just now report in that email." And then 12 minutes later, she sends what she called the official numbers. 12 minutes later, and then there was a 7 p.m. report. So if you go to the next slide, please. So what was in those emails? Um, this is the first one that was sent. This is the 8 a.m. 820. It originates with Alex Curtis, again, Facebook post writer. But he, for some reason, is sending the Secretary of State the ballot counts for the entire state. So Otero County's in there. Um, all our counties are in there. It has the total ballot counts, and then it has all the counties broken out by their party. Okay, and then uh, he sends that to Secretary of State Maggie Tulos Oliver. Maggie Tulos immediately sends it to Catherine Clark. So who is Catherine Clark? If you could go to the next slide, please. I mentioned her earlier, but she is not an employee of the state. She has no business getting ballot counts, her own personal ballot counts. In fact, at the time that she was receiving these reports, she was president of Blue Suede Strategies. Um, this is her LinkedIn page. This is her own testimony of what she was doing at the time, um, where it looks like she wrote campaign plans and strategy and field plans and operations. Okay, um, she was also chair of the finance committee for the Democrat Party, so she was a Democrat official at the time. Next slide. Um, so what was in the report? So I showed you, I told you it was ballot counts for all of the counties. Um, theoretically, this is coming from the poll books. We know that they're all connected to the internet. Um, and for some reason, they're being aggregated together. And Catherine Clark, uh, you know, not a state employee, but a Democrat official and uh, candidate herself, she was on the ballot, um, is getting her own personal copies. So here's what it looks like when you graph the data that was in those poll book reports. Um, and you'll notice, uh, most likely on election day, you expect, obviously, people to come in throughout the day, and the numbers are going to increase throughout the day. And then by 7 p.m., you're going to have everybody who is going to vote on election day has voted, and then you're up to 100%. Now, you'll notice, uh, go to the next slide, please. There's a couple of strange ones, and I'm just going to pull out the strange ones for you. So we have two counties that lost votes on Election Day. Santa Fe <laughs> had 70% of their votes uh, cast by, what is that, 11 o'clock? And then they all went away. So in the 3 o'clock, uh, 3.30 reports, there's zero ballots in Santa Fe County. Um, San Juan County lost a whole bunch of votes also. So they were near 60% cast, and then they went down to 20. And then they um, somehow magically regained those votes that were gone. Um, something, if I was the, the Santa Fe County clerk, and I'm getting these personal poll book reports from the Secretary of State, and I saw my county's votes go to zero, 
they should be saying something about that to each other. They should be, what's going on with these numbers? But there's no surprise that this is happening. So that's another odd thing. And then you have those two that were really, really close together, just 12 minutes apart. And you can see those dots that are close together, um, just 12 minutes um, between the, the creation of the reports. And you have massive gains in some of these counties um, that really aren't possible that you know, San Juan County could have had a 20% of their people vote in a 12-minute period, but that's what these poll books show. And recall that she said one was a just-for-her report and one was official. So I wonder what's the difference between a just-for-Maggie report and the official report and how you have massive increases in some of these counties in a 12-minute period. Next slide, please. Okay. Um, this is the absentee ballots because those public reports had all types of voting in it. So it had early voting, it had absentee, and then it had election day. So this is just looking at absentee ballots. Um, it's a little confusing. Most of the absentee ballots should have been in by election day. You don't expect, you really don't expect that 6% increase in the county on the bottom to happen. Um, next slide, please. So I'm just going to pull out the weird ones for you again. So you recall Santa Fe. Lost, uh, lost votes in election day. Well, they also lost absentee votes. I wonder how that happened. <laughs> and then McKinley lost a few votes. It's kind of hard to tell, but it did decrease a little bit and then it went up again. And then you've got all these other counties that had very large increases in that 12 minute period, which really probably aren't possible because most counties, um, they're not, they get a mail delivery on election day and then they get all their drop boxes that come in at the end of election day, but you're not necessarily going to have, you know, a 10% increase or whatever um, in a 12 minute period in your, in your entry into the poll book. So it makes no sense. Next slide. Okay. So um, that's those poll book reports that were given, you know, directly to the Democrat party. I don't think any other candidate or party were given that, you know, preview to what was going on with the ballot counts. This was a weird email too. It was sent a couple days after the election and Maggie was asking for the official, the final numbers of, of votes cast. And Alex sends her this totally bogus list of numbers. So if you compare these numbers right here um, to the official report that she published, they're off by tens of thousands of ballots. So he claimed that the same day voter registration um, was 11,000 people. But if you look at the the actual data, there's 19,000 people were vote, uh, registered during early voting and election day. And then if you look at the absentee um, ballot count, he was he uh, told her there was 11,000 more than um, the official number. And then early person was 10,000 more election day uh, was was shy. So where did those votes go? It's like there's all these sets of numbers that are always changing and certain people have access to them. How, how can they be changing like this? And this affects Otero County because this is your Secretary of State doing these things and, and sending this data out outside of her office. So Alex was off by 50,000 votes. Again, what is Alex Curtis, Facebook post writer, doing with these numbers anyway? Next. So um, just to aggregate it all together for you real quick, this is too much information on one slide, but on the right, there's the 7 p.m. vote count, the ballot counts that she was emailing um, to Catherine Clark. And then on the left side, you have the official canvas. That means what she claims were the final numbers. And and going from the 7 p.m. vote count to the official canvas is in some counties absolutely bogus. Like McKinley, um, 
gained 220% over the 7 p.m. number to the official canvas. That means somehow the poll books at the end of election day doubled the number of people that voted by the time she had given her her final numbers. How does this happen? Like you expect some change because there are some trickling absentee ballots that come in at the end, the drop boxes get delivered. Um, maybe everything is entered into the poll books right at 7 p.m., but it should not be a, a hundred, you know, you shouldn't be doubling the number of voters that voted on election day, but we see that that happened. Otero's numbers were actually pretty reasonable and we talked about, you know, some of what those were and it looked reasonable from what Robin remembered happening. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the sea report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the sea report and thanks y'all what's up ladies and gentlemen it's mr c from the sea report and i'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to the sea report.com at the sea report.com you can get more information on the sea report check out episode resources follow our blog and get new articles every week join our mailing list and stay abreast on the latest news and information that's right head on over to the sea report.com that's www.thecereport.com and be sure to follow us on our social medias truth social rumble twitch clout hub and pill.net Okay, pretty dramatic, ain't that, y'all? Pretty dramatic. Don't you just love this crystallized version? I cut out all of the women and the clerk that was arguing with them and trying to uh, call them. I cut out Matt. I cut out the kumbaya session that happened at the end of the the broadcast that they still ran for an hour. Uh, So, all right, this is just the need-to-know stuff. This is the ammunition. This is the meat and potatoes, y'all. This is the stuff you can walk away from, uh, walk away with knowing that uh, you have accurate assessment of what they found in uh, Otero County for this audit. Whoa, where'd you go? All right, uh, so this is the last, uh, this is the last, um, um, the last uh, clip that I have for you guys for the election audit in Otero County. This one is really interesting, guys. This one's as interesting as uh, the ballot tabulators being able to print in human writing on the ballots, right? Very, very interesting this one is. You guys got to check this one out, okay? Uh, So this one is, uh, what did we title this? We titled this uh, Possible Evidence of Ballot Trafficking, okay? 
possible evidence of ballot trafficking. What? In Otero County, they weren't on the truth of vote list. What you talking about, Mr. C? Ain't what I'm talking about. It's what they're talking about. An investigation into chain of custody discrepancies in Doña Ana County, New Mexico, revealed what appears to be an illegal ballot drop box staged outside a county warehouse. The illegal ballot drop box was filled uh, um, was filled with what is estimated to be three to five thousand ballots. The ballot drop box had no security or surveillance to protect it. Could this be a possible stop for ballot traffickers to deliver unlawful ballots? Let's take a look, y'all. Um, but your Secretary of State is doing some screwy things here. Next slide. So um, we talked about that you are affected by other counties. You're affected by what your Secretary of State does. You're affected by unethical things she's doing with her ties to these people that work at these NGOs. Um, you're also affected by Doniana County. So um, this is a picture out of Doniana County. I went and I did a analysis of their all of their um, chain of custody documents for their absentee ballots. Um, and I just plotted, you know, here's what they claim came in to their office. Here's what they transferred to their absentee board. And then here's what the final numbers were. So if you take what they claim came into their office, they can account for over 8,000 ballots that came into their office. They're 8,100 and something ballots off. Now, um, a friend of mine in Doniana County, um, she is very active in poll watching and, and stuff. And she went to the county warehouse one day during early voting and she saw this box outside the county warehouse and then she took a picture of what she saw when she peered in that little slot this is a huge box it probably holds just judging by you know the piles of envelopes i've seen by now this probably holds three to five thousand absentee ballots she peered in there it's it's brimming to the top with those things this is not a drop box location there was no uh um, surveillance of this. This is not, I mean, this is a warehouse out in the middle of like the boonies of Doniana County. Hardly anybody knows this is here yet somehow five, you know, probably 5,000 ballots were stuffed in there and outside the chain of custody because there is no chain of custody for this particular location. So um, just thinking about your, your Ricky little William Madrid race that affects Otero County. Um, here's 8,000 ballots. We don't know where they came from. When you transfer those when she has her chain of custody to transfer to the absentee board, there's uh, 146, no, there was 200 that she held on to till the day after the election, 200. And there's no reason to hold on to 200 ballots to the absentee board because the farthest drive in Doniana County is probably 45 minutes away. So she had everything well before the absentee ballot or the absentee board can um, quit for the night. Um, but uh, she held on them for some reason, and it could have to do with that that race that if, that you share a district with Otero County. And then when you look at all the um, absentee ballots that were transferred to the the canvassing or the board, the absentee board, there's 146 tacked onto that number in the official results. And so I think it's highly likely that the actions of Doniana County affected that race here in Otero County. Um, and but also those could have been provisionals that were added on at the end. And that box that was filled with those, those might have been done that way 
because that was all of the absentee ballots that came in and they were just put in that box to get them to the warehouse. I mean, there's this was sitting outside a warehouse all by itself. No, uh, no surveillance. I don't know why you would make excuses for. I'm just giving suggestions because I know you're there should be chain of custody. And that's what we're given too, but these are a little bit more factual and backed up a little bit more than just, you know. I don't think there's any excuse for chain of custody not to exist for 8,000 ballots in a, in a county. Damn straight, girl. Damn straight. I don't think there's any excuse for lack of chain of custody for 5,000 ballots in a county. Can you guys believe that? That is insane, y'all. Insane. Okay, so, you know, guys, uh, comments. Skeeterberg says, Lucy, you got some splating to do, right? Yep, keep the drips coming was 50 states worth of fraud, says Tam Growl. Skeeterberg says, that means, that means we haven't been doing our due diligence to prevent fraud, doesn't it? Uh, but keep your head on a swivel, yeah? Are we too trusting or what? Well, you know, Skeeter Burke, the system is designed that way. We were designed to uh, trust our elected officials and get so carried away with everyday life that we forgot about our civic duty. Not that we didn't care, but children, family, job, two or three jobs, right? Health, um, you know, um, relaxation, entertainment, chores, uh, you know, everything, tickets, you know, everything that has been thrown at us, distractions, you know? Uh, it, it, the, the system is literally designed to have it just like it is right now. Skeeterberg says, either way, we're getting our second wind. Indeed, we are. Indeed, we are. We're finding out through all of this examination and investigation into the audits and how it was done, right? We're finding out about how bad it could be or that people could even be that bad. And we're finding out through examples just like this, this, this unaccounted for with no chain of custody drop box out in the middle of nowhere with 5,000 ballots or more in it. We're finding out exactly how bad people can be. All right. And how bad it could get and how bad it has gotten. And guess what? When we figure that out, we don't let it happen again. We, we don't let it happen again because that is bad. And you hear that clerk defending it. It's the only clip of the clerk I included in these clippings because that woman knows either she's in really big trouble or that guilt is riding her hard, ladies and gentlemen. That guilt is riding her hard. So uh, that is the wrap-up. Those are the main takeaways from this audit in Otero County, New Mexico. Who would have known, right? This audit was way better than what they did in Wyndham, uh, Wyndham County, New Hampshire. And uh, that one was just, for the lack of a better phrase, a shit show. And uh, it was uh, Hari Hursty who was shitting all over the place. Pardon my language, guys. Pardon my language. Please do. All right, guys. So there you go. Uh, that wraps up this story. We got two more stories before we wrap up for tonight. Thanks again for hanging out with us, ladies and gentlemen, on this fine Wednesday evening. Got to wrap it up soon. I've got uh, places to be and people to do. 
Um, but uh, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to spend some quality time with you, ladies and gentlemen. All right. We have here on the screen one Doug Mastriano, Senator of Pennsylvania, ladies and gentlemen. Now, with all of the people that are getting endorsements left and right and left and right and up and down and all around and side to side in Pennsylvania, we didn't hear anything about the governor's race, did we? Is there a little bit of contention there, I wonder? Well, um, I don't know who all is running in um, the uh, Senate, in the senatorial, I mean the senatorial, in the gubernatorial race besides uh, Doug Mastriano and uh, Jake Corman, the rhino pro tempore president of the Senate there in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, Ben Shapiro, I don't know if he's a Democrat or not, or a Republican. I think he's a Democrat, right? Democrat. He's also running for governor. Uh, In fact, I think Ben Shapiro is the current state AG Democrat in Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But um, it appears that, ladies and gentlemen, despite all odds, well, Senator Doug Mastriano is in the lead in the gubernatorial race in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Ladies and gentlemen, I won't tell you how much of a lead he's in just yet. Um, I thought that perhaps uh, we could hear from Doug himself in his first appearance back on Steve Bannon's War Room since he had that fallout with Jake Corman. You remember we watched it about a week ago where uh, he spilled the beans on Jake Corman. Then Jake Corman got on the show and was uh, crying to hide his uh, wicked ways. Yeah, well, this is uh, this is Mastriano's first time back on Bannon's show, and he talks all about his gubernatorial run in the Commonwealth. Let's check it out, guys. Now, uh, one of the most important states in all this, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Colonel Doug Mastriano, who's running for governor. He joins us today near Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. There'll be an event at the Eisenhower Center. Uh, I was honored to be asked to come and, and, and speak at the uh, at the annual Eisenhower speech last fall. It's an amazing center. It's right off the uh, battlefield at Gettysburg. President Trump, this is where we gave, President Trump gave his great drain the swamp speech uh, in the run-up to the uh, 2016 uh, victory. Uh, Colonel Mastriano, uh, this is getting very heated. Uh, Jay Corman came out the other day and gave a press conference of the th- things he would do. Uh, on voter integrity and the 2020 election, uh, the first day he's governor. Uh, what's, your, what's your response on that? Where, where do you stand on all of this? Yeah, so, and thank you, Steve, for having me on. Just so everyone knows, you've invited me several times since uh, the clash with Jake Foreman, and uh, I figured it'd be bad form to come on and say or do anything that could derail, uh, you know, a forensic investigation of our elections. But it's been eight months on now, and uh, nothing's happened. So, you know, my position on, of course, uh, that press conference, uh, it's, you know, Jake is a single digit midget. He, he polls around 3% or so. The latest poll is about 3.3%, I believe. I, so I really want to punch down. But what I will say is there are 16 pieces of legislation in the Senate. He's a president of the Senate. And so everything he lists on his plan as governor, actually, myself and my colleagues have pages and pages of legislation to re- reform our elections, and he's not running it. So it's just more uh, empty rhetoric and talk. So look, you were the guy that 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 helped with Rudy Giuliani and all of us initiate the first uh, the railhead, the first conference at Historic Gettysburg. 
that started everything, all the revelations, Peter Navarro's report, all of it, that's leading us to be right at the, at the cusp in Wisconsin, the cusp in Arizona to decertify these Biden electors. Uh, then what would be your position? What's your position now? And what would be your position uh, if you win this primary and if you beat Shapiro to become governor of the Commonwealth? Well, as far as cleaning up the election, I mean, I'm in a good position as governor. I, I, no one knows voting integrity better than me as far as the candidates running for office, and no one has done more to it. And, you know, and sadly, Jake has stood in the way. Had he wanted to reform the elections, he had the power to do so as president of the Senate. I mean, of the 16 bills that I listed here, uh, five of them are mine. And it's, it takes on Act 77, which was compromised by the Democrats and our state Supreme Court, which is Democrat. We, we have voter ID on here. That's co-prime sponsor with Judy Ward, uh, co-prime with Stefano on taking on uh, voting reform in Pennsylvania. Uh, there's a whole list here. But OK, put that aside. As, as governor, I, I get to appoint the secretary of state. And I, I have a voting reform minded individual who's uh, been traveling the nation and knows voting reform extremely well. That individual has agreed to be my secretary of state. I'm going to have, of course, a team around that individual that, that's uh, really good on voting reform. Uh, as governor, I get to decertify any or all machines in the state. And obviously, I have my eyes on uh, several of the counties that have machines that I believe are, are compromised. And uh, it's going to be a, a top issue for me because, you know, Steve, you served your country. I, I did as well. And uh, this is no game for us, you know, for politicians to, to hop on the air and, and make these empty promises. When they actually have the power to do something now and didn't, I can't believe them. Colonel, uh, the, the uh, Commonwealth Appeals, the Appeals Court um, ruled that the 2.6 million uh, mail-in ballots were unconstitutional. How, and I understand the Democratic-controlled uh, Supreme Court reversed that. But since that's such a kind of a landmark decision, what can be done just with that? Because I think that's what gets people's heads blown up the most, that these 2.6 million ballots were clearly unconstitutional, illegal. Uh, is there anything to be done between now and the time you're governor on that? And if you do win the governorship, what could you do with that? Yeah. Well, as far as that ruling for the Commonwealth Court, obviously we, uh, we are very happy with that ruling. Uh, sadly, it has not been ruled on yet by the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court, which is five of the seven are, are leftists or, or Democrats. Uh, it's actually their ruling, their decision on 17 December 2020, which compromised our elections at the Commonwealth Court, uh, you know, struck down. And I don't see a, any chance in hell where the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court is going to rule against themselves. So uh, that's a month that they'll hear, they're going to hear it, I believe, probably in June or July after the primary is over. And they're going to up, uphold their own decision and strike down the Commonwealth decision. You know, as far as the way ahead, you know, I just I'm going to clarify for people out there, Pennsylvanians, if, if you say, hey, I'm not sure my vote counts and therefore I'm not going to vote, you're part of the problem. That's exactly what the Democrats want you to say. Uh, I know as well as anyone else or more than most people do how bad things are in Pennsylvania as far as voting reform. But we do have hope. And the hope is what we saw in Virginia last November. You know, in Virginia, it looked like the first and second amendments were going to be struck down. The, the legislative body in Virginia was going to ban speech against them, the, the elected officials. And they went after the Second Amendment, the hard and heavy, two years ago. But the people of Virginia came out in overwhelming numbers and, and overcame the cheating, you know, in, in the you know Fairfax County and other counties that, that lean heavily left. And uh, more importantly, on top of showing up, uh, the Republicans went to work. They had about 95 percent of the polls manned as the Republican poll watchers were on duty, making sure there was no shenanigans or at least reducing the chance of fraud. And so in Pennsylvania, that's how we do it. So let's get through this primary in 17 May. And after that, it's time to get the hard work here to beat back Josh Shapiro in November. Uh, woke schools, 
I know are an issue. Also, <clears throat> Pennsylvania is the Saudi Arabia of natural gas. Natural gas, we're gonna have a report later about how they're still paying, and now they're paying in rubles, they're, they're you know, Russia, we're underwriting, the Western Europeans are, are underwriting uh, the, what's happening in Ukraine by buying the gas. I blew up guys the other night on Italian TV live about the hypocrisy in this. You've also got the immigration issue. Pennsylvania is now a border state. They're, they're flying them right in. As governor, walk through a couple of those issues. What is Doug Mastriano going to do that Shapiro is not? This is pretty easy. So I'll focus on energy, Steve. And there's a lot I'm going to do on day one. I'm looking at DeSantis, who's really a model of, of Republican leadership. And uh, my, my goal, obviously, as, as, a, as a governor of Pennsylvania here, is to make Ron DeSantis look like amateur hour. And I, I love that guy. But there's a lot we can do in Pennsylvania. And uh, I could go through that later on. But as far as energy, uh, Tom Wolf has uh, signed us up without a vote from the General Assembly to the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, we call it Reggie. And what that is, is it's a, it's a state version. We'd be the 12th state, uh, mostly New England and Mid-Atlantic states. Uh, it's a cap and trade like the Paris Climate Accord. So we have to actually pay for CO2 emissions. And as the only energy producing state in this compact, it's going to cost us an estimated this first year when it goes to effect about $461 million and $2 billion over the length of two years. So on day one, executive order, we're out of Reggie, day one. And that's going to happen. And that's going to drive down energy costs because it's believed that being a member of Reggie is going to cost Pennsylvanians an energy producing state where it's going to cost us 30% more in energy costs statewide to keep the lights on. You know, Tom Wolf and his eight years of reign here, every year he tries to find a scheme or a racket to, to put a fee or a tax, but a fee on our energy producing companies. And uh, in the midst of this, uh, this need for energy, we have companies closing this year. I was in the Southwest uh, last night, there's near, near Somerset, there's a plant closing this year. There's another plant closing next year because of the regulations. And those uh, operations are moving to West Virginia, Ohio, and Texas. Uh, we, we are the third greatest energy producer uh, in the nation. We're number two in natural gas, third in coal, but overall three. Uh, uh, under, I'm under Mastriano on day one. I'm striking down about the eight years of Tom Wolf's regulations, and uh, we're going to unleash the potential for Pennsylvania energy. So this is going to be the place. It's going to be a booming place under Mastriano because we're going we're gonna to take off the, the chains and, and, uh, and the burdens that, that Tom Wolf and the Democrats and little Josh Shapiro would do as well and just unleash the potential. This is going to be open for business on day one. Colonel Mastriano, how do people find out more about you and more about your campaign, and particularly this event at the Eisenhower Center this afternoon at four o'clock? Thank you for having me on, Stephen. So it's uh, DougForGov.com. So Doug4Gov.com. Colonel Mastriano, fight on. Uh, and thank you so much for being one of the sponsors uh, that got all of this rolling back in November 2020. Took real courage and foresight. So uh, thank you very much for doing that, sir. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for your leadership and, you know, risking so much for our country. I, you know, I do respect and honor you. So thank you and God bless you. Thank you, Colonel. Awesome. 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 I don't hear anyone talking about Doug Mastriano. Do you guys? I don't know. I don't hear anyone talking about, you know, and I haven't been paying attention, but I haven't even heard Jake Corman talk like that, right? Isn't that crazy, guys? That apparently in the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic states, they have their own version of the Paris Accord. You got to pay for carbon emissions. That is crazy, y'all. Well, it sounds like uh, Mastriano knows what to do about it. Uh, I would trust that man, guys. I would trust that individual right there that we just heard speaking. If you're in Pennsylvania, if I were in Pennsylvania, I would be voting for him. I'm very excited for the people of Pennsylvania, okay? Because they get to vote for Doug Mastriano. You heard what he said, right? He, 
talk about a class act, right? He could punch down. It's been eight months, but Jake Corman ain't done nothing about election integrity except use it to boost his campaign platform. Yeah, I think we called it just like we saw it. Uh, let's take a look real quick at an article about how Mastriano is doing in the polls. Uh, according to this article here, Pennsylvania Governor Ace Mastriano takes double-digit lead in a new poll. A new Pennsylvania governor race primary poll has state, Senate, uh, state Senator Doug Mastriano with a 10-point lead over Lou Barletta. Mastriano led the newly released Trafalgar poll with 27.6%, followed by Barletta at 17.6%. Dave White finished, finished third with 15.1%. And William McSwain received 14.4%. Jake Corman received 5.3%. Melissa Hart, 3.7%. Joe Gale, 3%. And Charlie Giroux received 2.1%. Isn't it amazing how the people of Pennsylvania can still figure out who their guy is, even though uh, he's come under a lot of attack? Let me tell you what, the articles that I read from the locals there... They all attack him. They keep trying to get him on January 6th and decertification and being some kind of, uh, you know, crazy uh, crackhead, uh, you know, uh, a tinfoil hat wearer because uh, he believes the big lie and he keeps pushing it, right? He keeps pushing it. But the people remember and the people recognize, right, ladies and gentlemen, right? He's gotten no such endorsements. I don't even know that he's sought out an endorsement, to be quite honest, uh, but uh, Jake Corman, uh, I think the people can see that Jake is a snake. Uh, can I, can I, ladies and gentlemen, right? Because everyone was like, go easy on Corman, Mr. C. You don't know what you're talking about. You're not from Pennsylvania. Hmm. I feel quite comfortable in my assessment of Jake Corman, and I don't feel bad that I clipped out a whole bunch of, uh, of uh, segments that uh, talked just about him being a rhino. You see the value of being able to trust one's gut, ladies and gentlemen. It often does not lead you in the wrong direction. Uh, it says here, just over 11% of voters said that they were undecided in the May 17th upcoming primary. Uh, the poll was conducted between May 6th through the 8th with uh, a one, uh, 10, 1080 likely Pennsylvania Republican voters with a 2.99% margin of error. More than 82% of respondents were 45 and older, 876 were white, and 53.2% uh, were male. Mastriano, who was subpoenaed... Well, you know what, y'all, that sounds like, oh, well, they, they basically just polled Mastriano's demographic, right? <laughs> <laughs> Mastriano, who was subpoenaed by the J6 uh, Unselect False Flag Committee, had 20% support in a Franklin and Marshall College poll conducted prior to the Trafalgar poll. During Pennsylvania's uh, gubernatorial debate hosted uh, earlier on, Mastriano said that there were no legal issues relating to his J6 subpoena after he organized buses to the J6 2021 rally in Washington, D.C. And next thing you know, they're going to say that he armed them and he uh, gave them munitions, etc., etc., etc. That's how the story goes, ladies and gentlemen. But, well, there you go. There you go. There is, uh, my, you know, ah. Uh, I'm, I'm casting my vote in spirit for Doug Mastriano. 
And uh, he's been one of my heroes since um, uh, this whole election integrity stuff. Yeah, we're talking about Arizona, right? Got started. And he was there, as uh, Steve Bannon pointed out, in the first hearing in the Keystone Commonwealth, right, for President Trump's um, 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 hearing on fraud and the coup that took place on November 3rd. Uh, this is Mastriano's uh, website here. It is uh, www.dougforgov.com. So you can get more information on Mr. Or I should say, sorry, Colonel uh, Douglas Mastriano and his, um, his uh, gubernatorial race information, campaign, donations, volunteering. You got a week, Pennsylvania. Let's hit it. All right, last story for tonight. We're going to bring you a story about Tina Peters, right? We've mentioned Tina Peters earlier on this evening when we were addressing, oh, I don't know, all of the exposure that came about the Dominion machines because of this woman, right? Now, whenever um, the Secretary of Snakes in Colorado said, hey, Tina Peters, you need to uh, erase your data, right? Or, or, or let the Dominion people come in and erase your data. Tina Peters was like, ah, 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 You didn't say the magic word, Jenna Griswold. And she, uh, she made a backup of the data. Jenna Griswold, of course, wanted it all erased and gone forever. As if though the 25 months statutory period by Colorado state law had passed right by. No, no, no. Uh, let's not be mistaken, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Secretary of Snakes for Colorado, Jenna Griswold, she gave the order, which means she knowingly and intentionally broke state and federal law for election retention statutes. That means Jenna Griswold should be in jail right? Or at least should be before a panel or sitting in front of a committee or uh, having a hearing or talking to a judge or a magistrate or something, of course. Uh, it is this time that is giving us the opportunity to really suss out and see, because it's just as obvious as the theft that took place on election day plus five in 2020, right? So obvious we can see it. Now, what you gonna do about it, America? What you gonna do about it? Okay, we're being given the opportunity to see the players just based on their activity or inactivity. So what are we going to do about it, America, right? Now, um, uh, Tina Peters, Gold Star mom, county clerk for Mesa County, stood her ground, backed up that material, Created, invested in creating some reports, you know, some, some audit type reports about the election data that she had in that election particular. And oh, what a whopping three report volume it is, ladies and gentlemen, a whopping three report volume, okay, wherein not only do we discover that the machines have Wi-Fi connectability, wherein not only do we discover discover that uh, data was indeed deleted, we also discover with the receipts and the longhand math to prove it, that the data was actually manipulated as well. Maybe something like we saw in New Mexico with Maggie Toulouse, Oliver, who's so loose, she allowed her election data to be manipulated and molested, 
Yeah, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Now, is it as fishy as Maggie Toulouse's, who uh, gets a certain set of numbers at one hour, and then those numbers become, oh, non-existent, and then you get all these other numbers coming out, and there's no way to, uh, there's no way to uh, track these numbers, there's no chain of custody for these numbers, there's no, there's probably not even any hard data to support the figures that were coming across the board. Well, I don't know, you know, um, uh, Tina Peters had a pro at it. But all these laws broken, right? So Tina Peters running for Secretary of State in Colorado to take the job of Jenna Griswold. Running for Secretary of State of Colorado in spite all the odds. Do you think that the GOP of Colorado ain't nothing but a bunch of rhinos? Because they are. In fact, the GOP even told her, Tina Peters, since uh, you already served a night in jail and we're persecuting a Gold Star mom over, you know, I don't know, maintaining the uh, integrity of our elections in the state, over fighting for the uh, constitutional promises of our sovereignty as provided through our electoral process, for standing up for your constituents, Tina Peter. We, the heads of the Colorado GOP, think that you should um, step down from this campaign and uh, uh, um, uh, get out of the race. Tina Peters said, no, I'm not going to do it. Tina Peters won the nomination for GOP candidate for Secretary of State. So at this point, she is still in the race, guys. People recognize and people remember. So, yeah, Tina Peters is an absolute boss, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, well, you know, uh, as much as she has suffered and as much persecution and tribulation as she has experienced... They just keep on coming at her, guys. They just keep on coming at her. Uh, so as it turns out, the Secretary of Snakes for the state of Colorado has gotten into the ears of a judge there and has convinced her. And this is only because Jenna Griswold cannot remove her as a county clerk. She would if she could, undoubtedly. I mean, she already uh, enticed the Colorado State Legislature to uh, put a bill into a committee hearing and up for vote in order to strip Tina Peters and anyone in her situation from ever being able to serve in public office ever again, Jenna Griswold. Striking example of a beautiful human being, isn't it, right? So let's see what Tina Peters is facing next, ladies and gentlemen. Judge rules Tina Peters can't oversee Mesa County's upcoming elections. A judge on Tuesday barred Mesa County clerk and recorder Tina Peters, an outspoken proponent of baseless election conspiracy theories from overseeing the county's primary and general elections in 2022. While Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold does not have the opportunity or the authority to unseat a county clerk, she sued to stop Peters and her deputy, Belinda Kinsley, or Ninsley, uh, from supervising the elections because of allegations they tampered with Mesa County's voting equipment in 2020. District Court Judge Valerie Robinson uh, supported the Secretary of State's petition, saying Peters and Nisley, uh, 
have committed neglect of duty and are unable to perform the duties of the Mesa County designated election official. Isn't it funny how preserving the evidence equals neglect in uh, upside down, inside out Colorado state? right? Or, or maybe it's because, oh, she allegedly gave away the passwords to someone who's not a state official or someone certified. But at the same time, I don't know how that story sticks because after all, in Jenna Griswold's official lawsuit against Tina Peters, she never even cited that as an offense. Nor did she cite deleting election data, or I should say, excuse me, I apologize, uh, preserving election data as a reason for her removal. Hmm. Crooked people over there in Colorado. Brandy Bantz, the county's election director, will now oversee the upcoming elections. Of course, you know, Jenna Griswold doesn't want Tita Peters to uh, ruin her shots at having integrity, right? Peters and Nisley both face criminal charges for allegedly interfering with the county's Dominion voting system software in an attempt to find proof of voter fraud. Oh, I guess uh, this paper has not read. Yes, is uh, Nine News Colorado has apparently they haven't read Tina Peters reports, right? Those are probably an urban myth. Court documents say they gave an unauthorized person access to the technology, which resulted in confidential software passwords showing up online. Mesa County subsequently ordered New Dominion equipment to use in future elections. Uh, earlier this year, Griswold's office presented Peters with an option to oversee the 2022 election under certain terms, including supervision while accessing election equipment. Peters rejected that offer. This is now the second time Peters has been barred from overseeing an election. The first one was in 2021. Griswold is running for re-election in 2022, and Peters is vying to become the Republican candidate. Uh, she is the Republican candidate, honey. She got the job. Now she just needs to take out Griswold, ladies and gentlemen. And there you have it. Inevitably, we've done it again, ladies and gentlemen. We've spent our days and times learning more and more about election integrity efforts, election fraud in this country. And we've uh, gassed up our tanks free of charge. I know that's a terrible pun right now, anyways. <laughs> in regards to our resolve, ladies and gentlemen, now... Let's not forget, we have to share this information, keep it front and top of mind. If you're in a chat room and they're not talking about election integrity, you need to ask them why. Because there are plenty of stories out there, ladies and gentlemen, there are plenty of stories to be shared. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's one clear path forward. Not that there aren't others, but this one will be most helpful towards the retention of our sovereignty once we get past this challenge. And we can do it, ladies and gentlemen. We can do it. All right, guys, that wraps it up for this edition of The Sea Report. Thank you so much for being here. If you haven't had enough of me, I will be uh, hanging out with the bartender over at the Speak Uneasy's Lounge at approximately 10 p.m. Central Time, so in about 40 minutes till uh, we'll be hanging out for another edition of This Is News wherein uh, yeah, we have a pretty good time and we try and 
not ignore the other people in the bar. No, just kidding. You guys, come on over and hang out for a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be off the screen so you don't have to look at this ugly mug. But in the meantime and in between time, ladies and gentlemen, please do be safe and be blessed. And God bless America. We will see you next time.